Welcome to the Rhode Island Liberty Report, your source for libertarian commentary on current events in the Ocean State and Southern New England. Coming to you from Rothbard Studios. Welcome to another episode of the Rhode Island Liberty Report. I'm Mike, and with me as always are Sean and Bill. How are you guys doing? Great to be here. Yeah, living the dream every day. Yeah. We survived the, the cold, dark winter. Yeah. It's starting to get a little warmer. Getting a little bit better, yeah. You know, the other day it was a little cooler. It's, it's going in and out. Yeah, but <laughs> that's never going to get away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Speak, kinda, speaking of, uh, no we, cooler, warmer designs made the final license plate cut. Did you notice that? Uh, I still like our design the yeah, best. I do, I do. <laughs> Sinking ship. Yes. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to show that one out again. Yeah, we got to get that out there again. Yeah, I don't like any of the license plates. No, it seems out. like a cheap hack off, uh, hack off the original. To, uh, I, a few of them, really, they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you had sent. Uh, at the, I don't know which one of you guys had sent the link in our private chat? But it was, I looked at it and I and I didn't go back to it, no. so I don't even know what it is going to be. But <laughs> it kind of looks yeah. like uh, the old Rhode Island license plate and the Pennsylvania license plate uh, got mashed together. Somewhere. Oh, really? Yeah. I, and then one of them has a bridge in it. I don't know. Uh, no. Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. What is it? The bridge crumbling, or is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's apart? Got, yeah, it's got uh, a ten-year plan, a roadwork sign. It's got it. a roadwork sign next to it. Yeah, <laughs> part of the ten-year plan. I Does love it how we... Mundo's name underneath. <laughs> still, yeah. I love it. You yeah. know, it, it's interesting with the license plates. How much people fixate on it? You, yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, oh yeah, it looks pretty in this, but you know, like they're just uh, registering well, your oh, property. Well, Sean didn't grow up in Rhode Island, so I don't no. know if you're, you're familiar. That's like one of the Rhode Island things. Is, is a low numbered. License plate is a, a, a like a, a yeah. huge deal. Oh, the yeah. lower the number, the better. The, the better. Yeah. And family license plates too, getting yeah. passed down from from like I think my dad has my grandfather's license plate. Um, yeah. yeah. And then I'm I'm sure I'll get it at some point, right? Like it's, huh. you know, it's, it's unbelievable. It's a big deal. And and they say the justification for changing uh, the license plates because they're trying to find those scoff laws who are unregistered driving around with old license plates. Uh, I, don't, it, I don't know. I don't really buy that that much. I mean. It, interestingly enough, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a, I think it's the constituent services office at the, go, for the governor, um, ha, is the one that handles distribution of low numbered license plates. Yep. So when they get turned in, if grandma dies and nobody wants it and it gets turned in, um, it goes from the DMV to that office. And if you want that, you have to re- request, you have to go through that office to get it. It's insane. So they have an entire office is handling these. It's not even, they're not even like vanity license plates. They're just low, low numbered low numbers. Yeah. Yep. It's wild. It's insane. Just to drive your car. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's unbelievable. But do you know what else is unbelievable? It's the actual amount of money that we're spending <laughs> at the state and how much debt we're collecting. So, you know, let this, me guess. Let me guess. We're, we're doing better? Well, you're, we're, we're going to have to be a little subjective this time. So okay. I thought it would be interesting to look at the debt and spending metrics a little differently this episode. So I'm not sure if uh, you guys or any of the listeners are subscribed to this, but the Boston Globe uh, actually has a detachment that covers Rhode Island, and they shoot out a pretty uh, frequent uh, listing of uh, stories. Uh, I think it's called the Roadmap, set up by Dan McGowan and his team. They put together a pretty pretty decent list of articles to go through, and they send it out via email. Highly recommend you subscribe to it. And uh, back in February, I remember, they listed, they sent one out. And it was them analyzing campaign finance of all the people running for office in Rhode Island. So McKee and all the other people running for governor, other the, you know, uh, uh, magaziner, like they, they were listing all their campaign finance, but they did it a little bit differently. Uh, now, have you guys ever been to Greg's? 
I love Greg's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The chocolate Ooh. cake, right? Yeah. yeah. Love Greg's. Well, yes. The golden shake, uh, cake with the chocolate frosting is actually oh, really? my favorite. Yes. Yeah. So they've got some of the best dessert in Rhode Island. My family loves going there. And Mike, you already called it. One of the things that they're known most for is their award-winning four-layer chocolate cake. It's my son's favorite thing there, yeah. too. And, and it's pretty good. So the folks at the Boston Globe had translated the amount of money the candidates had in campaign finance into uh, slices of chocolate cake. <laughs> you know, so I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, so I figured we could do that this time around for us. So what they used, they actually used the, the litmus test of the death by chocolate cake. Okay. Yep. That's, that's way, the one that, yeah. that's way too many layers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a lot more expensive too. So okay. I figured for us, we'll just go with the traditional award winning uh, four layer chocolate cake. Okay. And when I looked it up, it was about six ninety nine a slice. So let's take a look at the numbers. So for state spending so far this year, this equates to two billion. slices of cake and growing. (laughs) Again, that's per year so far, right? And that number is continuing to grow every second. It's a lot of chocolate. Now, for context, and this is the important part, that's 1,797 slices of Greg's award-winning chocolate cake for every single person living in Rhode Island. How many was that? 1,797 slices per person. So every man, woman, child, ex-gender I just put four pounds on thinking about that. Dude, are we allowed to have any milk with that? <laughs> I don't know if that's rationed out. You know, but not only do we spend a lot, right? We owe a lot. So the same factoring for the state debt says that uh, we owe $1,795,662,000. Wow. Yeah. These are big numbers. Hard uh, to read. Uh, 20, 28 slices of cake. So over, you know, a, a billion and almost close to two. Slices of cake that we owe, that, that comes to 1,555 slices of cake per Rhode Islander. So it, it, it might just be kind of funny to look at it like this, but when you look at those numbers like that, it's absurd that, you know, every year it's equivalent to about 1,800 slices of cake from Greg's per person living in Rhode Island that we're spending. See, I think I'd rather have it in cake than in dollars, because at least it has some intrinsic value in, in, in the cake itself. Because dollars worth yes, nothing. It's right? worth absolutely nothing. And so we're actually getting less cake every single year uh, when the value of the dollar drops. So, um, yeah, I think I want to hedge against that and get, uh, you know, maybe get my payment in, in Greg's cake. Uh, yeah. I'll put it in the freezer. I heard, exactly. a free, I heard it freeze wells, and, you know, you can just portion it off uh, as we go. It'll yeah. be like government cheese. That's not a bad idea. Or, or, uh, or um, COVID test, too, because that's... Yeah. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's just absurd to think that for every person in Rhode Island, it, it would equate to that much. So we are, I mean, the, the moral of the story here is we're spending way too much. And in the past, we've spent too much. So And now we're spending more. And, and now we're spending more. So Unbelievable. That's what I have. And, and you know, the, the interesting part about that, just a, a little tongue in cheek, is, uh, you know, they're trying to tax sugary drinks and all that yeah. stuff. So relating it back to the cake. Uh, if you guys missed the last episode, definitely go check it out. We ranted, oh, I, I did, uh, about Rhode Island taxes quite a bit, and it continues yeah. to bite me. It does <laughs> not taste as good as Greg's. <laughs> not for sure it doesn't. Next yeah. week, maybe we'll do uh, Dell's Lemonade or something. Oh, yeah. you know, that might be interesting. Yeah, all right, well, maybe it's... Change that yeah. every every day, and then coffee milk, and then we'll do. Uh, I don't know. How, how about pot brownies? Hot brownies. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Because uh, you know <laughs> that's, uh, that's 
It's one of the, it goes very well uh, with milk and is a, a nice uh, cannabis brownie uh, and to enjoy your evening if you want to partake in that rather than uh, partaking in a, a, a nice adult beverage as well. Um, it's something that uh, we as libertarians uh, are, are I, I don't know if we're known for, but we're known for being sympathizing towards those people who are yeah. being uh, put in cages for possessing a plant. Uh, so when there's any type of conversation or it's in the news at all about the legalization of cannabis uh, here in Rhode Island, the, the long awaited and the long anticipated legalization of cannabis here in Rhode Island, we're going to talk about it on the show. And um, and it's been in the news lately. It's not the uh, the latest breaking uh, things, but as we get closer and closer to the date and we get closer and closer uh, to the mad rush of uh, the budget being pushed, where inevitably the uh, cannabis legislation is going to be uh, part of the larger budget here in the state and uh, railroaded through with the uh, uh, the last uh, few sessions of the, the General Assembly before they shut down for the, the summer yeah. and everything like that. So it's good for us to kind of get out in front of it a little bit and, and get into the weeds a little bit. Um, we won't necessarily talk too much about the legislation because by their own measure, it's not the final version, they're, they're sure it's going to change, and uh, yeah. there's going to be a lot of horse trading uh, as uh, the hours tick by uh, at the um, at the state house uh, as the, the the as the general assembly kind of uh, figures out what they're going to do. Uh, but you know, there's been a lot of talk about among stakeholders and uh, what their thoughts are about the industry going forward. And um, you know, when you listen to these conversations, something that stands out to me more than anything else is the idea that I've never heard the word regulation said more times in my life uh, when than these conversations that they're having <laughs> about uh, you know recreational marijuana. Nothing says recreation to me more than the word regulation. I don't know about <laughs> you guys, um, because Yikes. when I'm out having a good time, I just love to think of all the things that is regulating my my life. And, uh, and, and, and constraining the, what I'm able to do with my, myself. So, um, I mean, it's for your protection, right? Yeah. Well, well, that's that's the, the, the justification they'll give for it. And um, Those regulations don't exist today, though, right? Well, they, they, well, they do exist today, but they exist for a, a different market, right? And, it's, mm. and, and how is that market being, you know, they exist in the form of either regulating and making it illegal where you're not allowed to you know, use True. it and you're, it's a felony to go uh, across the border yeah. uh, to Massachusetts and where it is legal and to hop in your car and drive home and, and, and you know, partake with uh, what you purchase legally uh, across an imaginary line. Um, but uh, we do have a medical cannabis industry here in the state. Um, and there was a lot of licensing and a lot of uh, horse trading and a lot of <laughs> insider in, information that went into the uh, limited, uh, you know, licenses that went out for the uh, medical marijuana industry. And uh, there's also people who are out doing the cultivating now as well uh, that is supplying that medical industry as well. And of course, uh, being stakeholders in the industry right now, they're the first in line to uh, step up and try to protect their own business interest uh, by calling for more regulations. Um, some of the more comical things that I heard them complaining about was uh, the idea that the Massachusetts uh, recreational cannabis uh, stores were advertising on billboards here in Rhode Island. Um, 
they didn't want to see them. Uh, they wanted to see the state put limitations on uh, what can be uh, put on a billboard <laughs> in the state of Rhode Island. And I just kind of scratched my head a little bit. And I don't know. Every time I drive home, I, I see them. I see them. But I just but like, are we really going to start limiting what's going on in billboards? I mean, isn't that where we're treading into the First Amendment ground at that point? And, um, you know, just to protect some uh, somebody's interests that have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, vested interests here in the state. Uh, they also uh, complained about the idea that, you know, they are unable to label or brand the medical cannabis here in the state uh, as opposed in uh, Massachusetts and throughout the country where it's uh, legal now, where you're starting to see kind of a cottage industry uh, come up, kind of like the craft brew industry where uh, people are marketing different brands and uh, strains and, com- uh, you know, bread and hybrid forms of cannabis that have been cultivated in a manner to uh prove different traits and things that are desirable for uh, individuals looking for certain benefits from uh, using it. So uh, the fact that they're unable to establish that brand, uh, again, this is as a result of an arbitrary regulation that has been put in place by the state. So again, it's it's comical and a little bit ir- ironic that they're here now calling for more regulations because one of their biggest complaints is that they are, uh, the current regulations are, are doing it. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, the final thing, um, that I, I was uh, that I thought was kind of interested on in one of the the points uh, that the local um, vested stakeholders had uh, was the idea that they need to get this in and they need to get it passed and they need to get it out as soon as possible uh, because they're losing market share and they're they're losing the ability to compete with these people because they're gaining hold and you know how people get uh, you know used to going to the same stores and they mm-hmm. get uh, relationships and everything like that. Um, and so it, they want to make sure that uh, they're able to get their foot in the door before they lose all the customer base to the competition across the border. And that brings up a lot of larger issues about, um, you know, just how much uh, the state in Rhode Island taxes it um, and how much the proposed taxes are going to be on it. Um, and I know we touched on this earlier in a, a, a previous episode, but, um, you know, obviously the more you tax this product, you're going to end up with a gray market where, um it's still providing an, an, an avenue for people in a much easier avenue for people to go ahead and sell it uh, on the black market uh, while the cover of the recreational market is out there. Uh, in the state of Rhode Island, they're proposing a 20% st- uh, adult use retail sales tax to match what's in, in Massachusetts. And they want to add the traditional 7% state sales tax on top of that. Uh, they'd also want to do a state cannabis excise tax of 10% and a local cannabis excise tax of 3%. Um, so they'll I'm, definitely be able to compete. Yeah, ex- exactly. So now, again, this this goes into, without, oh, that, that was the other thing they wanted to, again, make sure that you were very aware of is the Rhode Island cultivators and uh, people, this, the Rhode Island stakeholders, that it was very much illegal for you to go into Massachusetts and, and, and buy this uh, recreational product. Uh, so, again, they're just trying <laughs> to, uh, it's, it's, it's funny how they're just using all of the power of the state uh, to try to divert as many people as possible into uh, their own, you know, market, which has been severely limited by licensing and uh, the limited number of people who have actually been able to participate in this market. So uh, by the, because of the state and their regulations. And, you know, it, and the last thing I'll say about it, I, I'd love to hear what you guys talk about, uh, have to say about it. But the last thing that just made me laugh was, well, we need to go, the 
cultivators and the people were saying, well, we need to regulate marijuana because of course we do. Because otherwise, how we know what's in the products, you know, if people aren't testing it, they can get, you know, different compounds or fertilizers or chemicals that are in there that they don't know about. And there's different potencies that, you know, could create all sorts of different problems. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself saying, well, what's stopping you from getting your product tested and selling it, you know, besides the state right now and the, in the current regulations, but what's, once everything gets, uh, you know, legalized and it's recreational use, what's stopping you from creating a differentiation in the market for your brand or your strain or whatever the heck it is, uh, just to, to, to differentiate yourself as opposed to forcing the state to do it. And the reason why is because there's a state, testing facilities or local testing facilities and ensuring that everybody doing it has to uh, comply to certain testing regulations ensures again those limited number of licensees are receiving all that business in-house it's regulatory capture they've captured the market and um you know again you're just you're paying the markup right here you know what are you talking about 30 40 percent in taxes that you're paying up just to pay this bureaucracy created by the state and it's unbelievable so um, i mean it's hard just to get your foot in the door for something like this especially whether it's it's so regulated to the point now, then it's such a high barrier of entry to even get folks into it so that we can, you know, explore the innovation side of things and explore the better benefits. And that, that's been the whole, you know, history of cannabis, right? You know, something I, I, I caught on there. So it, all these folks and these folks that were definitely, you know, handpicked by the state because of the licensing process. It's, it's interesting to me because, uh, you know, them using the arm of the government to enforce all this, you know, cronyism, right? And this is some textbook stuff. You'll hear people uh, in the legislation kind of um, go uh, uh, the other direction on that on a lot of things. Oh, we got to get big business out of here. We got to yep. do this, and 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 it's funny to to, to see that contrast, uh, you know. And 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 there are either pet projects or the things that they're trying to bring up. It, it you know, if you if you have principles, you, you apply them to you know, all these situations and, and you can apply it broadly if, if it's sound, right? Well, so I, I just can't wait to see all of these uh, regulations and, you know, testing procedures and everything like that coming to your local farmer's market, right? I mean, yeah. that's yeah. something that you're putting into your body and like giving to children and all, you know, it, the idea that we're going to sit here and take what is essentially a plant and we're going to create all this rules and regulations around it because it's a scary illegal plant. And the only reason why it's scary and illegal is because the government has been made it scary and illegal since, you know, where they, they, the, the whole drug war started in the first place. So, um, you know, trying to, to, to walk that back a little bit and just approach it from the idea that, yeah, hey, it's a plant. You know, if you want to go buy it on the side of the street from your local uh, farmer, that's that's great. If you want to go and get the high end, you know, tell me hey, what the compounds are and it's going to give me a, a certain energetic feeling as opposed to a relaxing feeling and, you know, not give me the munchies, but get me creative mood or something like that. Then, yeah, that's where you can go to. There's, you know, there's that's why they make vanilla and chocolate ice cream, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, it's just, just, just like you said is a way for a, a, a business to differentiate itself yeah. from from you know it's its competitor essentially saying look the and, and why does it have to be a state um authorized lab you, you know well you know we, we discussed why but it's like there's there's tons of products that are um evaluated and tested through independent private laboratories throughout the country underwriter laboratories yeah. is, is a popular one um uh nfpa national firearms uh not national firearms uh national fire P- protection agency i believe is what it is um for like smoke alarm stuff and you know all that type of stuff 
why can't you just have an independent laboratory that that look, look that at the supplement industry is a perfect example yeah. right there that's all those things all those supplements that you see on late night television and like you know and some of them are dubious claims and you know everything like that but you know it, there's a, a, a huge market and there's you know you can sit there and point to the bad part parts of that market and say are oh, these are a bunch of you know you know boner pills or something like that you get advertised <laughs> on like some weird website and you get it on the next thing you know whatever but like but for the most part you have a a free marketplace and the wheat is separated from the chaff and yep. people are able to to find what they're able to to use and and think about the number of people in this country what uh, what the you know market is for supplements in this country and there's no i mean there is some some regulation, which again, I'm sure I'm not uh, up to date on everything that's involved with it. Right, but, but there it's not regulated to the extent that the uh, the cannabis industry is going to be regulated. Yeah, and and I'm a fan of and and Larry Sharp is, has has the saying, and I but I, I knew I, you were going to bring this up. I, I said it before <laughs> him, and <laughs> although he's more famous, so he's, his but he he <laughs> what he says is it should be regulated like onions, and I I've always said it should be regulated like tomatoes because it's Rhode Island and everybody grows tomatoes in the yeah. garden, so it's like um. What, and, and like, well, what does that mean? Well, it's not regulated. It's a plant. It, it you know, there's no, um, no purpose behind it. it it's, it's just, it's silly. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely silly. And, and, and something I suspect, and I've, I've thought about this. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it when we've talked about this before, but a lot of this is a, the tax side of it too, right? Like yeah. the whole taxation side of it. And how much money is the law enforcement industrial complex going to lose through, you know, issuing fines and, and whatnot from, you know, right as it, as it, the law stands right now. Um, so they have to recoup that revenue somewhere. And that's one of them, you know, and, and, and far surpass that too. Right. Like, and then the other side of this is that the tax dollar is going to be used to grow the government. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, cause there's oh, yeah. a lot of Republicans who will often say they support the taxing side of this. Right. Like if they're, if they're a little more, um, liberal for lack of a better term uh republicans they'll say well let's just tax it as a way to raise revenue again kind of going against what they always talk about like yeah, it's not exactly. a revenue problem it's a spending problem but we don't need to give the government more money to spend like no, they've right. already spent too much and they take too much exactly so, they're evil why yeah. don't give them any more money so just stop feeding the beast mm -hmm. you know i think even the legislation itself yeah, it tells you that it's all messed up i was reading some of the, the commentary on, on this topic and the state's arguing with the state on how they want to regulate it, right? They don't know if they want to put it under existing regulatory structures. If they want to create a brand new department, the federal government's kind of flirting with decriminalization and things like that. So I'm, I'm very curious what's going to happen there. But, you know, what, what taxpayers should be asking really is, you know, this extra 20 or 30 percent tax, is that going to make it that much more safer? Well, in the legislation, they let you grow. Yeah. Right. So you can have three mature plants, three immature plants. You can have like 10 ounces on you, whatever. You know, our stance is you should be able to have as much as you possibly yeah. want. Shut it like hay bales in your, in your shed. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, <laughs> if that regulation of it has to be tested, it has to be tested by us for the content to protect you. But what you're having at your house doesn't have to be. Exactly. It, it, well, that's, that's the, I mean, the ridiculous no. part about it, right? Is that you, you can grow it at your house in your garden and have no testing and, and have it be yeah. organic, you know, whatever the heck, you know, homegrown, just like your vegetable. And, and, and really at that point, what is the recreational, what is the, the local, you know, weed shop or, you know, whatever the heck you want to call it. What is it at that point? It's a matter of convenience for the people who don't have, 
you know, gardens <laughs> or don't have <laughs> yeah. the ability to, you know, to, 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 to supplement you through the winter when it's like freezing cold and you can't grow it outside or, you know, or whatever that it is, or to, to really to, to, to shield you from the ridiculous regulations where you can't have as much, you know, in your person that yeah. maybe you need to serve, you know, you grow one crop a year and then that survives you the rest of the year. I don't know what the people are doing, what, but what, yeah, why, you know, why what, not? And the other thing we're talking about, like the quality aspect of this, right? So you know what you're getting. Like if you go somewhere and you buy people who smoke weed know when they get shitty weed, like they talk about it, like they know what shitty weed is. Yeah. And guess what? They don't go back to that person to get their weed again. Like, or they complain to them and say, that's, that was crap, you know? And yeah. so just like if you go to a, a restaurant and you get a, you know, a, a meal that's not cooked properly, you, you say this is either crap. You write a review on Yelp or whatever, yep. and you say this is you know, or you send it back and, and you complain to the 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 thing. So it's like the, the market will sort itself out, and if those people want to stay in business, they're going to want to sell a good product. Part of that may be testing, so they can verify that say we've got this stamp from this this you know tester to say that this whatever you know strain has you know these properties you know it's it's just absolute insanity well yeah. that would help me as a consumer figure out what right. i would want to purchase but now though, unfortunately the stamp you're talking about it's way different than what the state's going to do you're going to put the state of rhode island stamp on it yep. but that's where we should put the cooler and warmer logo right there on the every single little individualized serialized bag <laughs> of, of cannabis yeah right well here, good example right like uh, sweet corn Season's coming up in a couple of months, right? Oh, and and yeah. Bristol's a bit, uh, for those that don't know, Bristol's a big deal, right? Like you got the Usher Farms there. Everybody com- yeah. claims that they're the best corn in the. It and, is. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. But, Oof. and I grew up in Bristol. <laughs> I, I've gone to, you know, uh, other fruits, other um, uh, vegetable stands and gotten, gotten corn as good, if not better. Like it. Yeah. it, it no, I, it's the same thing. And so I, 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 Grew up in Portsmouth, and uh, I, I live in Warren now, so I, I, I get the whole feel. But again, same thing on the Quiddick Island. There's there's the corn stands you go to, but mm-hmm. there's the corn stands you don't go to. It's the same thing. It's, it it's, becomes a loyalty thing. Yeah. People will will get behind their that you know, and you build up a, a reputation. Yeah. I'm not saying Ushers is bad, but I'm not saying it's the best either. Like they could be, and let them compete. Let them compete yeah. in the market, and you will you will shop where you shop. And if so. there's a long line of Ushers, maybe I just need something quick. Or, That's yeah, right. And maybe yeah. maybe I don't feel like stopping and making additional stops. So I'll just pick it up at the grocery store while i'm there and not even worry well about you'll it. find if if you are cultured and you have good taste you will go to ushers yeah. so good plug for me i i'm addicted to the stuff <laughs> yeah but, so it's it's well crazy. i just you know I, I i this my point is that i like to bring this up uh, all the time with this stuff is that um you know when there was the gold rush out west uh, the people digging for gold never made the money. It was always the people who were selling them supplies mm-hmm. uh, in the in the, the shanty towns and everything like that. And you know, if we just opened it up and said, "Hey, listen, hey, Wild West, go do what you want to do. Everybody, you know, it's a plant. You know, we, yeah. we trust you to do what you want to do, and just just watch the uh, the economic development and everything that happened uh, that surrounding that. That would help us in every other way. And then we can talk about all the other taxes and regulations that we want to talk about and fighting and, and everything like that. But in the meantime, you know, you'd be you'd be you know helping the economy tremendously and uh you wouldn't have to waste all this time uh pontificating and arguing about what the merits of the bill are you just say hey it's legal it's a plant yeah we're all adults go go for it so that's right you know one more thing on that bill um I, I was thinking about it and you know, like I know the narrative keeps changing. At one point we're supposed to defund the police. And <laughs> if you look at this, like everyone's like the hesitancy that I've seen at the federal and state level is like, Oh, we have to make sure the police are ready for this. 
they're not trained or this, and they they're use not. that as an excuse. And the past couple years, that's what they use as the excuses. Oh, the Rhode Island state troopers are not ready for the, it's here. It's, it's on our borders and all this stuff. But it's interesting to see like, you know, when they try to explain, well, what these taxes are going for. Oh, well, you know, a certain percentage has to go to educating the police officers about cannabis and, and this and that. It's and just it's, funding, right? It's more money for the police yeah. to train mm-hmm. for it. And then, and, Please, like how 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 often are you driving down the street and all of a sudden you get a whiff of something? You're like, oh, geez, like what the hell is going on? That. Yeah, like, yeah. All, the it all the time. It's like people are doing it all the time. You think the police have the time and the energy to be chasing after a bunch of people who are just smoking pot driving? Yeah, maybe you shouldn't do it. You hear the ads on the TV and oh yeah, you, you shouldn't do it. And yeah, and that, that's the responsible thing. If you get into a car accident and you're impaired, you are legally liable fault. for that. You are negligent <laughs> and you can be yeah. held liable for it. That's your own decision and that's something that's terrible and and you should be held accountable same but, thing if you get in an accident because you're distracted eating a cheeseburger or like or drinking dr- or, yeah. or anything i'm talking you know something more minor you yeah. know something you know changing the radio station like exactly. that's your own damn fault so yeah. so yeah. yeah so why are we why are we making this the, the, what's going to happen is the the police are just going to give them an excuse not to enforce it because everybody's doing it. It's ubiquitous that how are they going to tell recreational marijuana from, you know, that's purchased legally versus, uh, you know, illegal black market marijuana that's still being, uh, or cannabis that's still being, uh, per- acquired illegally. Uh, there's no way to do it. So they're not going to do it. So then what happens, they selectively enforce, uh, based upon their own individual biases, which is exactly the thing that everybody's yep. fighting against. And that's actually, you, it's funny you bring this up too, because one of the main components that they haven't ironed out, but they want to talk about in this legislation is the diversity aspect of it. Um, they want to make oh, sure yeah. that well, uh, the m- people uh, of traditionally uh, my- marginalized communities are given an opportunity to participate yes. in this lucrative aspect. And, and it's like, well, it's the reason why it's lucrative and it's because it's limited is because it's of the state and you just haven't had a chance to hand out. So we just got to pick some some lottery winners from the uh, minority community yeah. that can uh, you know you know win the lottery. We had, actually, maybe, we, maybe it's right. James Dio maybe he qualifies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we had touched on that I think last time we did the, a deep dive into the, the legislation that was that whole social um, justice component to it that yeah. they were pandering to. I, I just yeah. 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 A certain amount of the licenses have to have go to go to, to certain, certain communities and, and exactly like yeah, yeah yeah. So, so of course that's to you know, that all goes to you know, voter base and you know all that other craziness. But well, I you know it's 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 going to be a uh, perennial issue and it's going to be uh, I'm sure something that's going to be talked about on this uh, podcast and be a, a, an issue that we get brought up all the time and um, hopefully it'll be come to a day where. Uh, it'll be legal and you can grow whatever you want in your yard. And, uh, you know, and if you're growing in your yard, you might want to protect it somehow. And uh, that's also a right that we're trying to protect here in the state. <laughs> nice, nice, nice segue. There. <laughs> yeah. So uh, something I want to talk about today was the gun. We just went through um, a bunch of gun control testimony last week. Um, and um, before I before I start on that. So as of today, when we're recording um, this morning, it was um, we. Uh, heard in the news about the uh, shooting in in uh, Sacramento in California. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm sure that's going to come up in future. Te- I don't know if there's any future testimony scheduled. Uh, oh. I didn't look, but um, I'm sure it's something that that will be brought up. But as of um, just before we started recording today, I pulled the, the latest article I could find, the latest information to find out who did the shooting to see if we've figured that out yet and apparently i guess they're the suspects are still at large um um but there was some some comments from the police and so police confirmed a stolen handgun was recovered at the scene 
imagine that a stolen handgun. So mm. it wasn't, <laughs> um, so a criminal got a handgun, you know, without, uh, you know, through the black market assumed or stole it themselves. But there are controls um, in place for that. Yeah. Yeah. You would think, right. Um, however, authorities suspect at least two different weapons were fired. So there's one potent, potentially that's still out there. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and saying that one might be stolen too, but uh, <laughs> there's that's to be confirmed. So that's just right. me speculating. Um, and then a motive for the violence was unclear. Law enforcement sources told the Times, so this is an article from the LA Times, that shooting involved gang members, uh, the shooting involved gang members and associates. Go imagine that. <laughs> so I have a feeling that it'll come out this is a gang-related shooting and use stolen firearms. And um, none of the proposed legislation solves that, <laughs> solves yeah. that, that, that problem. So um, uh, although... We have laws in place that do solve that problem because if you go to shoot somebody and kill them, you're a murderer and yeah. you should go to jail. So that's that's a you know simple simple as that. Um, I'm I, I'm just going to start off by I I in my you know prep and research before the um, for the uh, episode I came across an uh, an op-ed or a, uh, yeah opinion letter from the uh, Newport Daily News and uh, it was a it was a um, uh, uh, from the point of view of they were against gun control. So it was a, um, you know, a pro second amendment, um, letter, if you will. But a couple of things that I often hear in, um, like a lot of testimony or people, uh, debating the gun control issue that are on the pro gun side, um, that term, you know, uh, arguments that they use. And this person hit on a, a couple of them and, this, in my opinion, there's not the, the arguments that people should be using. So one of them, it says, a ban on the type of rifle, rifle purposely mischaracterized by gun control supporters as an assault weapon is not only unwanted, but makes good people less able to protect themselves. Um, again, he's arguing semantics, right? Like yeah. the, the, you always hear that uh, you say that some the, the left or the gun control proponents will say assault weapon and everybody say, oh, there's no such thing as assault weapon. Who gives a shit? Because if there was such a thing as an assault weapon, that should be allowed anyway. So, <laughs> like, why argue even that issue that there's no, like, it's just semantics. There is such a thing as, as an assault rifle. That is a thing. People will, even gun, um, pro-gun people will confuse that and not even understand what an assault rifle is. It just makes them look, look silly. So, it's a, an assault rifle by the characteristics would not be illegal um, to own with the current laws anyway. So, because it would be a select fire or I should say it would be very difficult to, to own and not legal to own in Rhode Island because Rhode Island bans uh, fully automatic weapons. So um, so I think that's just a silly waste of time that a lot of pros. So my advice would be stop arguing. <laughs> You're just yeah. wasting the, the short amount of time you have to get your point across by arguing that that position. And another one is uh, he, he says he can find no evidence that one of these rifles has ever been used in a crime in the state. Again, that's a poor position to put yourself in because if one is used, now you've you've just yeah, yeah. given them ammunition to say, okay, look, here's one that's used. Now we can ban that. That's kind of yeah. what you're leading. Like it's a, just a silly argument. It, it does set it up for that. I do like the the overall principle of that being like, is this or at least focusing it, on a Rhode problem? Island, is this really a problem in Rhode Island? And I think you know most of the time they're going to find that that it's not. Right. Right, exactly. So, but, but you're absolutely right. As soon as they go, oh no, you said if this doesn't happen, but well, guess what? Right, just, happened? just back yourself in the corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's um. Uh, so then he he starts talking about now. This is something that's interesting. It's kind of more of the point that I've I've kind of mo moved myself towards is 
just simply non-compliance, right? Like, like it, it's getting to, we kind of talked about this before. We, people just need to stop, yeah. stop complying. Right. I mean, and, and he brought up some, some statistics. I haven't, I haven't verified them, but he, I'll take him for his word. Um, says how have magazine limits, firearm bans and other gun control laws worked out in other States terribly. Connecticut enacted rifle magazine registration a few years back to date. More than 85% have uh, refused to register. Uh, the high level of noncompliance in New York state is similar. Several years ago, New Jersey required all magazines that held more than 10 rounds be turned in. Not a single one has been surrendered. Um, there's, what, there's, a, the, there's a great correlation between the number of boating accidents and the <laughs> passing of these legislation. It's almost like one-to-one. It's exactly. like unbelievable. Well, yeah. I think that's what they need to consider, and I, I would love to be, you know, giving testimony on this. But you guys got to consider the environmental yes, impacts. Yes, we're in the ocean state, you know. Yeah. You know, it's everyone's going to be, I mean, I, I'm living proof. Before I moved to the great state of Rhode Island, I was in a boating accident. Yeah. You bring up a good point, even though you're talking about environmental, right? Like, so we were at, remember we were at the gun rally, was it last year? Last yeah. uh, sp- spring, I think it was, right? Um, uh, and a gentleman, I, I don't recall his name, had gotten up there, I don't recall the organization he, he was from, but talked about a little-known fact about how much money is given to environmental, and especially like uh, yeah. wildlife preservation and whatnot, um, the by the ammunition system. tax. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, there's, a, there's a tax on ammunition and, you know, f- fish, fishing licenses and hunting licenses and all this other stuff. But there's a huge amount of money that is 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 put into that um, those, uh, those uh, resources to preserve those uh, you know wildlife and and um, parks and and all that other stuff that I don't know if the the anti-gun people understand how, you know how maybe that's where the the, the tax and, and regulate cannabis yeah. come from right hey. like that's how they're gonna get yeah, but then but, that's already pot for potholes so yeah no all right <laughs> but again just going back to this like like non-compliance like just it's got to get to a point where you say like this is a human right the the, the right to have a firearm to protect yourself not only from predators but from t- t- tyrants is is a fundamental right whether the there's another movement saying they want to abolish the second amendment, you know, get rid of the second amendment. I'm like, well, that doesn't, we don't get our rights from the bill no, of rights. Exactly. It's, yeah. You know, so just because of that particular line gets erased, doesn't mean those rights mm-hmm. go away. It's, yeah. it's, uh, so I think people need to start getting in the mindset of, you know, that that's really, if it comes to it, that's what, that's what's got to happen. Um, well, it's it, in, in, in the greater larger point of this and from the libertarian perspective is, is that, you know, they, they worry about, well, if you don't have any laws against guns and people are just going to be amassing these massive arsenals and they're going to be having these huge things, they're going to go against and take over cities and towns and everything like that. And you sit there and scratch your head and you say, first of all, do you know how expensive ammunition and guns are? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know how much like, I mean, yeah, some people spend a lot of money on ammunition and guns and they do a huge stockpile, but you know, there's not, they're, they're spending a lot of money on that stuff. It, it, in order to have any type of, of an arsenal or something that's going to to challenge a, a local police department or things like that is it, the only person that could possibly do that is the state because they only yeah. are the ones that have the taxing authority yeah. to get the money they need to fund that type of uh, operation. So I, they, they, I, I don't know. There was a bunch of peasants in Afghanistan that held those off for twenty years. So. No, I know. But I'm, 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 I'm no. I'm not saying that the the, the ability is. I'm oh, just saying, okay, okay. I'm just saying the the uh, the amount of money it takes to. To, yeah, if you're fighting for a cause or something yeah. like that, and you're you know you're protecting your homeland or your city or your town or you know whatever for under attack, yeah, no, you can definitely you know stave off. I'm talking about uh, having funding a standing army and the cost right. of that and like how much like the only person the only 
entity that's able to do that is a government. Mm-hmm. You know, a business couldn't. That's not a sustainable business model. Right. You couldn't go at a bunch of venture capitalists together and say, "Hey, listen, we're going to put a standing army here, in, you know, in the state of Rhode Island to protect us from Massachusetts or something like that." This is not feasible, and so that's like the reason why you let everybody get the protection that they feel necessary and they it'll the market will figure itself out it's what it's all about well, well that's the thing right there right so you know who is it the state to tell me that you know let's say i don't know i'm out on travel my wife's at home with the kids and you know she's only i think what the legislation said you can only have seven or ten rounds yeah i'll get into that yeah it is yeah. ten rounds yeah y- you know it's something like that is you know oh so she's not entitled to be able to use the other 20 in the middle of the night if, no. if she needs to if, right. if someone's raiding my house you know right. it's one of those things where the the state can't make that level of deter or they, they shouldn't be in any part to determine how you're going to protect your family well it, that's they also determine whether or not you need to get a vaccine or you know stay right. six yeah. feet away from all your other that was protective well this else. is the whole thing though is that this is where the 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 slippery slope happens right did yeah. you start letting yeah. Them take in, take over certain parts of deciding what you need to do to protect yourself and your family, and now it's the responsibility of the state. Now you're giving up that right, and then that inevitably involves giving up your guns as well. Yeah, yeah, and and just to the point about the ten round limit, which is always it's always so arbitrary. It's, it's, yeah. Where did that number? I've never heard anybody say we say ten rounds because the science says you know the eleventh round. The eleventh <laughs> round is what will make you a lethal, you know, when Jason you, Bourne when assassin. When you have a semi-automatic gun, you miss with those first ten rounds. Yeah. But that eleventh round, you hit every single time. Right. Oh, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Just a quick little point on that. Uh, you know, the state determination isn't our federal government sending like guns to <laughs> citizens, yeah. civilians over here. Yeah. I mean, we've been arming people all around the world forever. For Kids, yeah. I, I just think it's very funny. The I think we talked about this last time a little bit when we were talking about Ukraine, but the the the, the constant pull from the left and right, and it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, just before I, I'm going to you know start hitting on some of the legislation I, I found that was talked about in a, by Catherine Gregg in an article in the Providence Journal, but uh, it starts off heading uh, heading into a week back by hearings on gun bills. The National Rifle Association Association warned Rhode Islander members the state house is back open. Anti gun politicians are uh, planning to take it out on law uh, abiding gun uh, owners this week again the, the national rifle station right i have a bone to pick with those guys <laughs> it's probably the weakest worst well i should say the weakest because they've got they've got the majority of the money but they're just really bad when it comes to gun control yeah. and uh um you know i encourage people to look elsewhere either uh, was it the um, uh, gun policy coalition i believe um uh, gun owners uh, of America. America is yeah. my favorite, but then there's the yeah, I think it's Gun Policy Institute maybe. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so yes, yeah, so there's other organizations. Other than I remember getting into a, a discussion with Catherine Kazarian, uh, state rep, when she was coming around the neighborhood, and uh, she was like, you know, talk about gun, NRA. It's like, yeah, the NRA is still a little too liberal for my taste. <laughs> so her, her head almost caught right, on fire. I am not swinging by this house again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've never been back after that. <laughs> uh, after that discussion and the one about um, public schools, yeah, <laughs> I must have gotten crossed off that list, actually. <laughs> Put on another one, I guess. Um, so some of the um, some of the uh, the legislation being proposed um one of them uh, for the, so the what are they called? Um, Moms Demand Action um, testified about um, a bill proposed by Rep. Brandon Potter banning outdoor gun ranges within a mile of any K through twelve school because every time a very loud shooting begins, neighbors cringe and teachers and students are left <laughs> wondering if they 
would be possible, uh, they could possibly be under attack. That was her testimony, uh, oh. this, this one person. Uh, so again, the silly, never mind the silliness of you know, banning a gun range with, like, what does that have to do? It's, it's just absolutely insanity. But the fact that the, the hardcore left also wants to ban SRO officers in schools. Yeah. <laughs> like they're so concerned about these children, you know, the safety of the children and the teachers, but they don't want the one person in the school that has a firearm and can protect them and respond to a, an, a, you know, an active tr- uh, shooter. They just want a sign that says gun free zone. Because that's going to stop you, right? Yes. That yes. will every yes. time. It's just yeah. like putting your uh, your gender pronouns in your profile, right? Yeah. It's just going to solve yeah. all the world's problems right there. Hey, you know that you can, uh, uh, fun fact, if you go to get, when you guys renew your new passports before you, next time you travel, you can now uh, assign your gender to be X. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Uh, for how, you know, public service announcement for our listeners. How about an ampersand? Can you use an ampersand? Not yet, Not yet. but you know, I think it's coming. Well, you could also dress in drab clothing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, th- I thought that was kind of uh, ironic that uh, yeah. that's a position that they're, <laughs> they're taking, and that went on too. I won't, I won't bore you with the, the details of that. But um, there's another debate that's centered on which. Um, on a stand your ground law proposed by Edward Cardillo, which is a pro, um, you know, uh, gun uh, piece of legislation. Um, and it would affirm the right for a retail store owner uh, to use reasonable and necessary force to defend against criminal activity, including vandalism, uh, theft, and threatening behavior towards the owner, employees, or customers. Again, right? So we're looking at at the same time, they're talking about defunding the police, which I'm not necessarily against defunding the police, but I'm also very much pro defending your, you know, <laughs> funding yourself and the and, and your ability to defend yourself. So, um, you know, I, I just again the the the, the you know uh, comparison there or the it just doesn't make sense, right? So so I thought that was interesting, and that one went back and forth about you know um, I guess Carol McEntee, a lawyer, raised a concern about an outs, um, outsized reaction to a teen who steals a couple of Cokes and maybe a Twinkie, you're saying that person can pull out a gun and shoot that kid again. And Blake, to his credit said, um, we're talking about reasonable and necessary force. We're not talking about, you know, uh, yeah, there is a natural progression yes. of force. That Escalation you of, of, uh, yeah, force that you would use. So it's, it's just, again, they, they go to that, that extreme. Yep. No rightful person wants to shoot another human being. No. Like no person in their right mind wants to, wants to do that. And if and if they do, they're a murderer. Like and they should be, you know, put in jail and and dealt with appropriately accordingly. Um so that went back and forth. Uh so there's another one. Make make it a felony uh, a felony to store guns unlocked. So if you have a gun in your house, you have to store it locked. Um and that's quite useful if someone's breaking into your house, mm-hmm. right? To have your gun locked away and you can't you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's silliness. Hold on, um, hold on while I uh, get my safe and, e- <laughs> and fumble exactly. the code here. And, That's yeah. why they want to reduce magazine sizes, because you won't have as much of an opportunity to go through the, the entire, you know, 30 rounds. Yeah. I, you know, you got to wonder, like, the psychology of people that, that say this type of stuff. They don't, I, of course, they don't think about being... Oh, they do think about being a victim. They want to be victims, right? Like, just in other issues, they always play the victim, right? Like, they're they're the ones that are being hurt, and, and they want that because then it they can use that to be. So they don't ever look at like things like protecting themselves or fighting back or. Yeah. You know, I think there's some psychology there. Maybe some there's a Brown University but, psychology student. There was, to this. there was a, there was a great. 
uh, poll that they did uh, it's related to the war in Ukraine. And they were talking about uh, whether you were a Trump voter or a Biden voter and what you would do if the Russian army was invading. And it was ridiculous, the, the, the split uh, for the number of Biden voters that would flee and the number of Trump's voters that would stay and fight. And it's just like, again, it's it, the people are wired that way. Like certain people. Yeah. And, and you know what? You want those people walking around. That's that's the, the the unknown factor that like if you have a bunch of people with concealed carry and the people who are really serious about this stuff and they take it really seriously and they do all the training yeah. and everything like that. You want those random people walking around because when that moment happens and somebody pulls out a gun and tries to rob that liquor store or rob that you know whatever that person's going to come boom right yeah. right there it's 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 an unknown it's a deterrent in and of itself exactly and, and, and yeah and, and it's just trying to to sit here and wait for the response of the the police force is 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 it's not it's not, it's not a reasonable solution and, and and that brings brings a good, a good point and makes me think of something that the going back to the um you know the quote unquote assault weapons bans that they want to pass and I think I, mean, I don't know if that's one of the ones on the list I, I'm sure it's on the list I'm not sure if it's one I want to I'm going to talk about but to to that point the argument will be well you're well I think even Joe Biden said it were you going to use that against aircraft carriers and F16s or something like that that's not the point you're missing the point mm-hmm. the fact is it's a deterrent yeah. it's it's you have an armed populace knowing that is a potential threat that they could do something, whether they do or don't is irrelevant. It's that the fact that they could, right? Like, yeah, the, yeah. And, and you don't want that. Look what happened in Australia during the lockdowns, Canada, oh, yeah. um, New Zealand, you know, it, it and that goes well, back, that can never happen here. Right. And, and that goes back to the point too, is no civilian or business. It's not a good business venture to develop the F-16 unless you have a government that has a taxing authority to pay for it. Because you, you, what do you, who are you, who's the market for that? Who are you, who are you going to be? You know how expensive jet fuel is yeah. to fly these yeah, things yeah, around? Yeah. You know you to fly, how expensive it is to land one of those things in an aircraft carrier and they got to make sure that thing's going around? Like seriously, like if, if it wasn't for the government, none of this stuff would be, there'd be no market for any of this stuff. Yeah. The, the funny thing is that there's nothing preventing you from owning a tank or a fighter aircraft, and there are civilians that do. Yeah. So, well, no, you, you, so they use that argument saying, should you have a tank? Well, some people do. Yeah, some people do. And why not? Yeah. A bunch of Ukrainians have tanks now. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> well, that's the other aspect of it, right? Like, they're, they're assuming that everybody in the National Guard and the yeah. Army are not going to jump in their tank and, you know. Yeah. Well, it's also, we, we have... We have Canada on one side and Mexico yeah. on the other, whereas, you know, it's not the same as, uh, you know, having Russia on one yeah. side of us either. But the same token, though, it's like it very well could be. You yeah. never know what's yeah. going to happen, with, especially what's going on in Canada. And, and, <laughs> and I talked about it. Look, you, we had literally peasants that held off the United States, the oh, most yeah. powerful military in the world yeah. for 20 years. No, granted, a lot of them died. But the, the fact that in the U.S. you'd have military veterans like myself and Sean that know how this equipment works and know what their vulnerabilities are, yeah. you know? So it's, uh, yeah. no, exactly. And that's again, goes back to the same point. You want the, that's the greatest deterrent it is. That's, that's what they're talking about in world war two as one of the reasons why it wasn't a feasible option for them to invade the mainland United States is because they were so afraid of all of the Americans. Right, that were Hira, Hira yeah. I'm not sure if it's yeah. an actual quote, but they attribute it to him anyway. Yeah. Saying there's a, a rifle behind every blade of grass, you know, and it's uh, whether it's a legit quote or not, it's a, it's a certainly true. So yeah. it's um, so, yeah, so there's the felony for you to lock your own. Pro- you, they're making you do something with your own private property in your house that you more than likely possess to defend your family 
in the worst possible scenario that you yeah. can ever imagine and yeah. never want to have to deal with. And, and if you argue the other side of the point of that you're an irresponsible gun owner, right? right? Like that's and again, yeah. there's no there's no uh, option to, to argue the other side of it. Why why there would be a legitimate reason, you know. It's yeah. not like there's, you know, a shooting every other, you know, weekend in Providence or anything like that. It's only going to increase in the summertime. Think and of the kids. Yes. Bill. Well, well, that's part of the argument that that was made here is children getting a hold of the gun or um, someone who's suicidal in the family getting hold of the gun. And I think the first person that testified, that's what happened. She was a, you know, her husband or boyfriend was a, um, a military member and firearms instructor, and she killed herself with the, with his his firearm. Again, tragic s- scenarios, but Absolutely. those are separate issues right yeah. Th- those are issues that are are beyond the 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 inanimate object that they used to, to mm-hmm. do that with um it's i mean so th- those are and then the children too again as a parent and a gun owner you know it's your responsibility to teach your children appropriately and do what's best to protect them not just from guns from anything like mm-hmm. you know riding their bike tell them to put a helmet on it, it's like that extends to everything in your life. And if you don't do that and they, for one, you have to live with that for the rest of your life, that tragedy. And two, it's your, you're negligent in that yep. situation. Yep. So yeah, it, it's, it's again, it don't, you don't need a law for that. It's, no. it's you need uh, to expose them. Abstinence is not the answer when it comes to uh, tra- t- teaching your kids about guns. You need to expose them to it. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. You have to, because they, because you have to, even if it, even if you aren't a gun owner, you have to, you have to explain to them what it is. It's not something you should be afraid of, but it's something that you need to know, understand what the, the, the ramifications are. And in yep. case if they go to somebody else's house and their, their parents end up having firearms, you don't know. You bring up an excellent point. You never see them arguing for things like mandatory gun um, safety training in yeah. school, right? Like, again, we don't, our opinion of public education is, is what it is. But they but want it, the they, bottom line is, from their point of view, if it's about safety, why aren't they getting on the train of saying we need to man, man, use mandatory safety training in school? So, again, the more you're familiar with something, the less mysterious it becomes, the less curious you are, the, the less chance, you know. This is the argument they, they are using about the uh, don't say gay bill in Florida right now, right? Is that you're supposed to be exposing children to this to make it so that they're able to learn about it and they're able to, to process it. Again, you just, the consistency in the logic is what we're looking for here yeah. in our, our political class. You know, again, if you want to have that position and say, hey, listen, children are, are able to be exposed to these type of things. And again, there's certain things where there's certain levels. I, I, part of me thinks that that's a decision or not part of me all of me thinks that's a decision that should be made by the parents not by the uh the the the, the school mm-hmm. itself uh but the the idea that we're going to uh as a uh, the the group of people who are arguing that abstinence is not the answer when it comes to sex education when it comes to uh gender identity when it comes to uh, exposing children to all these things they're they're not going to be the ones that are going to jump on to say we need to do gun education we need to get uh a, a more of this in schools so that we reduce these tragedies because the more yeah. people are educated the less it's going to happen exactly we've, we've seen this over the past couple of years where people were very comfortable with the nanny state and then using the, the state to be able to do these things where really a lot of it comes down to personal responsibility right? yeah and that's 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 a culture thing that's something we need to you know shift the rudder really hard on and, and look at ourselves and, and, and make sure that we are taking personal responsibility and teaching our kids the things that uh, that they need to know yep. we, we don't need to rely on the state they can't fill a pothole well you, you can't trust on them 
to teach, you know, the things that you, traditionally from a, you know, a moral tradition sense that you, a parent is responsible for teaching their kids. And and think about all of the exposure they're getting to this type of thing on video games, Call of Duty, you know, all the other things. Uh, that they, they, they probably yeah. already know more about firearms than their parents do. Model numbers. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah. It's, yeah. so again, it's, it's this th- idea that uh, you can't control everything. You need to, again... Th- this, it goes back to the same idea that the market will figure itself out. The people who want to spend all their money on guns and everything, they'll do it. The people who don't won't. won't. <laughs> and, 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 and those are the, those are the extremes. Mm-hmm. The, the average everyday person will get the amount of protection they need to protect their family and there won't be a problem. Yeah. And yeah. if you, you can't, you can't legislate for the extremes. Yeah. yeah. No. And, and your point to, um, about, uh, personal individual responsibility, Sean is like, well, that's the problem, right? They don't want people to be responsible <laughs> individuals because then, they can't control them and, and that's, that's the, a problem what do you right? need like, the state for exactly what do you need the state for at that point it's it's and, and what they're saying is you're too dumb to do it right like they're like they're the smart ones you're that not even know, smart enough to wear a mask yeah, we well, are exactly. in a pandemic to make right a decision about, about what <laughs> you don't want to get a vaccine yeah come on yeah yeah and, you, um, and believe me that'll be used hey you don't want to get a vaccine you're going to get your gun rights taken away right <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, a quote on on that particular piece of legislation in the debate was one one uh, needs to only look at the text of the bill to realize the true intent of the language in order to render such firearms inoperable by any person other than the owner. In the current environment with crime rates through the roof, making firearms inoperable is not appropriate to self-defense situations. Like it's... Again, that's the they want to defund the police. They want all the like all this other other stuff. Again, that's a separate topic we can discuss at a later date. But the whole point is, if you want to do that, I need something to protect myself. You know, yeah. <laughs> what, what is what was that in language that they were going to make it so that you have to have like a gun that's like it's like fingerprint ID or like a body like uh, a ring or something like that that so you can't shoot it when you're the owner doesn't have it or something. Or? Well, that's there's a the thing about smart guns. Again, that's another probably another long topic yeah. but it, this uh, i don't believe it talks about that i think it's just locked it's got to be locked away yeah. uh i didn't uh, read i'm just reading the article i haven't re- actually read the legislation yet so um and we're running out of time here so i'll just hit on a couple of other bills that were um interesting um a prohibition on the sale of ammunition without a background check by the state police municipal law enforcement agency or the national uh, in- uh instant crime background check system so they want the same kind of check you would have to get for to buy a gun to buy ammunition. Again, they're just trying to make it more difficult. Increase the age to purchase ammunition from 18 to 21. Again, it goes back to, you know, you're just increasing the length of time a, a person can get familiar with a firearm to, to, it, was you it? should be decreasing it from 18 to 12, you know, so yeah. that, 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 uh, uh um, disqualifying anyone with prior conviction for possessing a firearm without a license from buying or possessing a firearm. Um, I think that's already, well, that's a felony. I, 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 I haven't read that legislation, so uh, I don't know what the, the, but again, if someone has, <laughs> here's a point <laughs> I've always made, right? Like convicted felons can't own firearms. And there's a lot of people who are pro gun that agree with that. But if a person who has been convicted and done their their served their time, why do they no longer have a right to protect themselves? If yeah. if we release them from prison, saying that they're safe now to be back as a member of society, um, 
why shouldn't they be able to own a firearm? Because well, they're going to be able to get a firearm regardless of whether or not they do it legally. Oh, yeah. So that, especially that person, right? And they're well, not going to have the safety lock on. Right. Well, so if that person was, is so dangerous, why have we released them? What was the felony too? Was the felony about cannabis right. maybe? It, not if, that, if that was yeah. the case, then no, they, yeah. they should definitely have it. Exactly. Back. They shouldn't even have it taken away in the first place. It, it's, it's just a silly uh, you know, concept to think that, oh, that person's not able to own a firearm. So therefore, that felon is not going to go get a firearm because there's a sign <laughs> or there's a, there's a words on paper, well, you know. Wasn't there wording in that legislation too, or a proposed legislation that's in there that about uh, if you were like, so the way it would be if I was at the gun range and uh, I ran out of ammunition and I asked you to to borrow some, and you said, oh yeah, all right, well you're going to pay me back when you get back to the, the. We'd have to declare that and we'd have to like do a whole transaction and like, oh, it would be know, like no, yeah. that's like that like the way that it is. It's the it's it's so restrictive that it's going to make just you know again. It, it, Certain certain circumstances, yes, you're right. So if you're in a, a retail setting and you're buying uh, large amounts of ammunition or just ammunition from a retail perversion third party transaction, yeah, no big deal. If you're out with, you know, buddies, if I'm out on the golf course and I I, 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 I slice my uh, my Titleist into the woods and I I need to borrow some from Sean because I don't got any left in my bag, right. I don't expect to like you know having to go uh, create a have a felony uh, on my record because uh, I I didn't declare it or something like that. I mean, this is the ridiculous like rabbit hole we're going down with all this ridiculous. And then when they realize that, then they'll have to come up with another measure to track things yeah. like that or or come up with more of a deterrent so that doesn't happen. And then it just as soon as they get any little piece of legislation and that kind of uh, violates that principle or, or sets the stage for the next thing, they're just going to build on top of that. And that's what we've seen the, the past couple sessions. They'll get a little bit in, you know, we had the whole ghost gun thing and, yeah. and all that, and they're just going to continue. So any little wins here, it just gives them more of a reason to, to improve, iterate, and then keep pushing towards yep. that you know, yep. narrative. Just yeah. last, last two things I'll hit on. One was the, um, um, the, um, a bill that's still alive. So this is interesting. Um, the assault weapons um, and high capacity magazines are not on the House Judiciary agenda because they have been carried over from 2021 session by the sponsor. Uh, under the House only rule, testimony from last year's hearing follows into the current session. So that's wow. quite interesting. They're not mm -hmm. allowing testimony on. They're carrying it over from last year, not allowing testimony on it, but. What testimony happened last year, if you remember, <laughs> right? Remember, we weren't allowed weren't to go allowed to the, the state house. house. No. So yeah. that's quite interesting. I found that quite interesting. Um, wow. And there is a bill um, in there. Yeah. <laughs> there is a pro, uh, I'll call it a pro bill in there to um, uh, institute reciprocity for ca concealed carry with other states. Again, on the surface, that seems like a good idea. But why do we have a, a license to carry anyway? <laughs> like, so I'm of that opinion. I, don't, I shouldn't yeah. need a license to carry a firearm, but that's the libertarian perspective, right? Yep. Like, whereas the Republican perspective is, you know. To, and yeah. last, lastly, I just, there's a Rhode Island Second Amendment Coalition has a list of all the legislations that they support, oppose, and are neutral on. Um, I think it, it would be fun. I just printed this out before we, we, we started talking. I think it'd be gun to, fun to go down this list yeah. uh, from a libertarian ex perspective and see where their position is and where a libertarian's position is and uh, maybe do a comparison. It might make it for a good, either good uh, future episode or, or even an article on the website with a, like a comparison table to, yeah. Uh, yeah. so I thought um, 
for the sake of, of brevity here, uh, that that's maybe an idea that we can bounce around. So, yeah. cool. So, so, so to wrap it up, we think that guns should be regulated like tomatoes. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just like cannabis and guns and yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. You know that's concerning, right? Because there's a whole lot more re- legislation than just the uh, the cannabis and and the firearms, right? So yeah. this is a very legislation uh, packed uh, episode today for everyone. And uh, you know, uh, you know what I want to we we talked about firearms, talked about cannabis, but that's just the t- two examples of multiple pieces of legislation that they're they're pushing through and they've been working on it. So I'm going to kind of rapid fire like I did last time. I tried to go through every if you guys listened to last. Uh, last episode where I tried to go through all the different taxes in Rhode Island. I failed. Um, There was just too many, but I set another ambitious goal to go through every single piece of active legislation. See, I think Sean, your problem is, is that you need to set it to a song. Like you remember those old like <laughs> cartoons, like Animaniacs, where they'd list all the, the countries in the world, and they'd set it to music, and they, they, you could get through it really, like in a few minutes. We yeah. set all the taxes or all the legislation to music. So I don't know. We'll think about that. They, for next time. I'll try, but they come up with some pretty lofty names. <laughs> okay. Okay. These. So you know, I, I I tried to set a goal for myself. There was probably about two thousand pieces of legislation for the session. Good luck. Yeah, it's gross. It's a long song. And and, and, <laughs> and, and all this, if it just for everyone's knowledge, right? This all kind of kicks off in January, right? So they've been busy. And uh, so I was able, I tried to go through so many, I tried to skip around. I probably got around to 200, but there's plenty of content. So I'm kind of stealing your idea. I'm going to kind of look at, uh, you know, some of the legislation and, and we'll kind of give our thoughts on, on yeah. what we think. It's a bunch of different topics and uh, some might be rehashed, uh, but we'll, we'll start going through these. So some I just found interesting. Some are just informational. Some uh, are complete garbage. Uh, so let's some. <laughs> so let's, uh, you know, one, one thing that's always been near and dear to our hearts here at Liberty R.I. is, uh, you know, there's a, been a bill uh, that's out there to clarify constitutionality guaranteed uh, for public shore access. Mm-hmm. So that's become a topic again. Uh, they've been trying to um, look into what the definition of that will be. I'm not going to go into that here. We got a lot of legislation to go through, but it's I, I know uh, uh, John, one of our friends here at Liberty, yeah. Rhode Island, he uh, he's very passionate about, you know, the, sure. the, the access to the shore and, and things like that. There's a book written by Walter Block on um, privatization of water. Um, I, I've not read and I want to read. I think mm-hmm. it'd be interesting because there's a there's an interesting property rights argument for water. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's let's table that legislation. Yeah. Let's look into that then. But, yeah, you know that I don't know if anyone has any general thoughts about that. I thought it was mm-hmm. interesting. There seems to be a, some pushback back and forth on what it means. Some people say that uh, with the, as it's now written in, in the in the House bill, it's still, uh, you know, up to a lot of determination and it's not clear, um, you know, the, the boundaries for something like that. Yeah. So, well, it's uh, so my only portion of this is to Mike's point, there is a argument to sit there about whether or not we're going to, you know, try to privatize, uh, you know, water like we do land for, you know, and everything that goes along with that. That's a much longer conversation. Yeah. I, I think that the, the bigger issue itself uh, with, with with this type of legislation is the fact that it's ambiguous and it's it's not written well. The the compromise that they came in terms of median high tide uh, mark, it's not where the seaweed is mm. on the beach. It's like some imaginary line that sometimes is you know in the water and is never even exposed uh, d- based upon uh, shifting sands and everything like that. Sure. Uh, so just to have some type of uniformity and uh, as long as the waters are a a shared asset, I guess, or you know, yeah. a communal property, uh, to 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 make sure that that public use is accessible to yeah. people who who want to access it, and and to not make this uh, the situation 
situation where it's ambiguous, where people uh, are deterred from from uh, their their property rights. Because right. as long as it's a public good and as long as it's a public uh, use, uh, it's everybody's property right. And if you're denying somebody that, you're denying them their their individual property. Rights. So you mean to tell me someone in the legislature wrote a shitty piece of legislation? Of course they did. That's, Imagine that's, that. Well, that's again, <laughs> it's it was it was some type of high lofty you know <laughs> compromise that didn't end up uh, you know solving the issue because now the lawyers are involved and you you got you know what the definition of is is and, and we're, we're trying to figure out you know, and someone's what, making a lot of money probably it, well yeah, exactly by the hour yeah. and and, and it, it, again this talk about first world problems you have a bunch of people with with luxury beachfront homes like hiring lawyers to try to keep people from you yeah. know walking across their view I mean it's just kind of a, a sad state of affairs in terms of you know what where we're dealing with here in the state but um, you know I, again I, as someone I, I grew up on the water I, I you know I, I used to have a, mm-hmm. a zodiac and you know in sailboats and I, I was uh, on kind of passage in Narragansett Bay and everything like that uh, I, I, I definitely uh, fished I definitely went clamming I definitely did all the things and it, it was definitely uh, something that uh, I, I it was a great memory it was definitely something that I, I wouldn't trade for the world and I think that people should have access to that so um, you know the more that you're able to do that and the more that I think the the compromise and I think Blake Flippy has been um, I mean and rightfully so because he's Charleston you know Block mm-hmm. Island and everything like that it's a big deal for his his district um, but he's been kind of leading the charge in terms of you know I, I think the bigger issue that the property owners have is the liability aspect is that people are on their property and they get injured are they going to be held liable for it and i think that um there's a buffer zone that's in the legislation that as long as anything happens within that it's not considered to be uh, and, and that kind of resolves their 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 sticking point so i i don't think that that's a a a, a huge issue mm-hmm. and i think that's something that you know as libertarians we can get behind until we privatize everything so but yeah until so it, then. it's definitely a, a nice topic here we're not i mean it's in our constitution right, right? it's so. it's very Rhode Island, but yeah. if also, you will. And we've yeah. talked about this in past episodes. We've the also, Ocean State. Well, we gave yeah. up We gave up all that when the federal government came in and told us we needed to do saltwater fishing licenses. Right. And yeah. then they said, well, if you're either going to do it or we're going to do it, we're not going to give you any of the revenue. And, of course, the state was like, well, we yeah. need the revenue. Oh, we need the money. <laughs> so we, now we have fettered access to our <laughs> fisheries. But That's anyway. works. All right, next one, uh, House Bill. And these are all I, going through the House. Uh, typically, they will have, uh, you know, kind of, the same bill going through the house and senate at the same time so yep. that they get passed through they marry up and then they they, they pass it and uh, so house bill 6626 allows teachers state and municipal employees to retire upon the earlier of reaching age 60 within 30 years of service or the employee's retirement eligibility date under president state statutes i read that as uh, you don't have to wait till you know later in your life now on the state's time you are allowed to retire earlier um, hmm. I, there's a couple reasons why they might want to do that. I don't want to get into that. Maybe yeah. they're like, oh, maybe this will save us money. They're going to do that. But what they're going to find is people are living longer, so they're going to allow them to start collecting the retirement benefits earlier. It's what? cheaper It's cheaper to hire a new teacher than it is to pay a older, experienced teacher. But right. to Sean's exact point, the health insurance liability uh, for that old teacher, not to mention the pension liability, is much higher hmm. if you let them retire earlier. Um, so again, the, the, this is a game that they've been playing. It's a song as old as time for the uh, uh, for the teachers unions, where they get people, they make uh, exceptions uh, like short term band aids, but it sounds like they're making it a a, a a permanent thing now. Is what it what, sounds wasn't like. there a point in time when teachers were 
able to retire at 20 years. If I, I seem to recall that as when I was younger, that like why teaching was such a great job because you can retire early. But I don't know if that's so, so I think and G- that went away. Yeah, I, I think Gina Raimondo has a lot of blood on her hands mm-hmm. for, for that. And she, yeah. she really shook up uh, a lot of the things that were kind of guaranteed or things like that when she did a lot of the. I'm not saying I agree with that either way. Oh, I just, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's so we I, shouldn't pay any of these people. <laughs> unrelated, unrelated note, though, I, I thought uh, it was it was it's part of the pension reform that, mm. um, you know, when we had budget surpluses, that any surplus was supposed to go defending uh, funding the pension system until it got funded to 80% so they could get their colas back. Wasn't that something that they talked about? I don't remember. Well, that was, I I believe so. Okay. We have a surplus right now. We do have a surplus right now, and that's something that a lot of people aren't talking about. Uh. You know, we were talking about floating a bond (laughs) to to fund the pension for the city of Providence, but, you know, again, we have this huge teachers' union that, uh, yeah, a bunch of retirees that uh, have been waiting for that cola and, you know, with inflation... Uh, hitting the it's yeah, hitting yeah they're uh, they're waiting for it. <laughs> they're still waiting for it. we got this nice big surplus i don't know i think what they say they got uh, however many billions of dollars they say i'm uh, making up numbers so i don't know whatever but they, they had five billion dollars of uh, stimulus money come in and they had like ten billion dollars worth of uh requests looking for money and so everybody's got their oh, yeah. hand out so i don't think the teachers unions are getting their pension funded so anyway all right so this next one is six six three zero this one actually scared me because i didn't think about this one too much until i went into it more so this this is one of the bills that it sounds good on paper that, you know, the Republicans are doing the right thing here. <laughs> yeah. But when you peel back the onion on this, you just want to go, what the fuck? <laughs> so so uh, this one prohibits the use of a Stingray cell site simulator device by any law enforcement agency except upon application for its use and the granting of an order by the presiding justice of the superior of the court. So this prohibits cops from using these devices to imi- and what these devices are, they imitate cell phone towers. Mm-hmm. So it, yep. it gives a false impression of the signal. So your phone is automatically like, Oh, I have a stronger signal that I can get to. I'm going to connect to this device. And what they do is they can get so much mm-hmm. information. They can, they can probe for your text messages. They can probe who you called uh, uh, information related to your SIM uh, and, and a few other things. And, and, so you're thinking, okay, well, we're going to rein that back a little bit for your privacy. But the thing is, like, right now they can do whatever they want with this because the, this legislation does not exist to where they have to ask for permission yep. to do this. And and the way that this technology works, right, it, it, it broadcasts a signal, right? So if they're looking for one guy, everybody in that area that has a cell phone that d- detects it, and this is how you know cellular networks work, is that now all of a sudden – my phone is going to connect to the stronger signal and now they can copy anything that they want that I'm transmitting there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to call out, uh, the people that are, uh, trying to do this from a warrant perspective, but really the people that are perpetrating this are the Republicans sponsored by Philippi, Chippendale, Nardone, Knight, Fenton, Fung in place. So I'm putting you all on blast. This is ridiculous that we would even have these things in the cops hands to surveil, uh, they should the be public. banned, period. Warrant, yeah. regard, it doesn't matter. Just get rid of them. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm going to give everyone a little bit of advice. So you can't escape all the information that, get, that gets collected by this thing. The best thing that you can do is, one, when you're out and about, use a VPN on your yeah. phone. Okay? That's, that's one thing that you can do. 
don't if you, if you can avoid it, don't send SMS text messages either because that's another thing you can get. Use Signal. Use something like Signal and uh, make sure the person on the other end is using it as well. You want to have all your communications in, encrypted. Um, all of the pre-show planning is done on Signal. For that that's right. right. Actually, report. Is, yeah. <laughs> all these uh, these these fancy group chats that you hear about. Yeah. You, you know, and and this goes for making regular phone calls too. So that's why this technology is so scary. It's in the hands of the cops out there now. They can use it. Apparently, they can use it. How however the hell that they want within reason. Now they have to go and get permission if this goes through. So I just want to plug one thing, but while, while you're talking, and I, I lo- this is a topic that fascinates me and I've really been deep diving into it the past probably six months um, and, and trying to um, decrease my uh, electronic footprint um, personally. But there's a book called um, Extreme Privacy by the author named Michael Bazell. He also has a pos- podcast, the o- Open Source Intel, OSINT and privacy podcast so those two things um highly recommended uh actually he just released the the latest edition he releases the privacy uh, book almost every year because of technology changing so quickly and he's right on top of it um and he just released it i think last week the the latest version of it so i wish we could do amazon links So the next one, maybe this is a coincidence, you know, House Bill 6633. They're increasing the penalties for damages to electric cellular communications lines from $3,000 to $50,000 per offense and imprisonment from two to 10 years. So if you're now in in a position to manipulate any of this type of stuff, they just increased uh, the permissions or the, uh, the, the penalties for, for doing such things. Not necessarily from you changing your behaviors, but if you were able to do anything that they would deem against uh, a public utility or a cellular network. It, it, the legislation goes all the way to water sources and things like that, but the one that really stuck out to me is anything relative to you know uh, cellular communication lines. Hmm. So, Cell- point- Cellular communication, isn't it? It's, it's, would they have lines? Is this so weird? Like I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah, and this is a fresh one too, right? I, I like. I feel like a lot of this is cooked up. Anywho, so <laughs> let's. Uh, so uh, t- on the topic of special license places, I noticed in everything that I viewed, a lot of people are putting in for new special license plates. They love them. Apparently, you guys told me that. So there's a special license plate for the not-for-profit Atlantic Shark Institute. There's oh, also nice. a laundry list of other ones. I highly encourage them if you're looking for you know, a brand-new specialty license plate. Hold off until this legislative session so you have more options available. Oh, you. okay. So that, that's what a lot of focus is on is getting uh, you know, the Atlantic Shark Institute their own license plate. Sounds fishy to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This one was interesting. Okay, so uh, 6634 exempts bicycles from sales and use tax. Now, I'm a libertarian. Taxation is theft. I agree with this 100%. But it's funny. Because if you go back to some of our older episodes, especially on the green initiatives and public transportation, that you know the lefties were screeching that transportation was a was a right. So I so me agreeing with them on this that you know something like a bicycle, we should abolish all taxes related to personal transportation. Yeah. If you want people to excel, if you want them to be able to get to work and, and be able to purchase their own vehicles, which is what they don't want to do. But, you know, it, enabling people to take care of themselves. We saw this with the gas tax nonsense where they want to repeal it because if they repeal it now, we know that, you know, people are going to benefit from it and they'll be more prosperous and, and things like that. So it's just another one of those kind of examples of if I remove a tax, if I remove a regulation, things get yeah. better. 
Yeah. And, and I, you know, the other thing, just a, on that, like we've got like 1.2 million people or whatever, right? And you, you got to think, how, how much in taxes are they raking in on bicycles now? So this is why this is like low-hanging fruit. They know that this isn't going to affect their bottom line. Is, you know, mm. yeah, Maybe there's a 10% turnover rate in bicycles and road on I don't, I don't know, but it's not that much money. This is a feel-good, yeah. I'm doing something. It's one of those pieces of legislation. Like, look, it's eliminate taxes, taxes as like you said, as libertarians, we can get right on board with that. The problem is that people who are probably promoting this are freaking communists. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? They're like they are just the the worst people in the world. And, we can't yeah. afford to drive a car right now, so that's why they got to get They're throwing they're throwing you a bone. Gas prices are over four dollars a gallon. Uh, if you can't buy an electric car, you got to buy a bicycle. So save yourself some cash. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Tip yeah. of the cap to you. Uh, speaking of bikes, the next one. I think we talked about this a little bit last time. Uh, you know, there, uh, there's one to authorize municipalities to regulate the use of quadricycle passenger vehicles within their borders. Uh, Provided there is approval by the local police chief. You know, oh, you I was, get, listen, may, I, if it pleases the crown. <laughs> so before the pandemic, right before the pandemic, my wife and I went down to Savannah, Georgia. I had an insurance conference down there. I brought the wife down there and they had these party bikes all over the place and they looked like a blast. They heard people bachelor, bachelorette parties and, and dude, Savannah, Georgia. Now, first of all, it's a lot of history between Rhode Island and Savannah, Georgia. If you didn't know, if you go yeah. down there and you go, no, seriously, if you go down and look, it's this. The, the, the wolves. The, the, the wolves. <laughs> no, but Nathaniel Green and everything yeah. like that. He's got oh, a yeah. statue yeah. down there and everything. It's, it's a whole thing. But talk about an old colonial, yeah. you know, uh, type of town and community uh, that's thriving on tourism and, and, you know, everything that goes along with it. And they've, you know, God, you go. The party never stops in Savannah, yeah. Georgia. You're, the party goes on all night. There's no, like, you know, you can drink. You take your, when you want to leave the bar and go to the other bar, you take your drink with you. You don't have to, like, leave it at the door or anything like that. And it's a really? complete, yeah. No, Imagine it, that. No, I know. You can and, walk with a drink? Yeah, on the street. <laughs> Without permission? You just got you, you <laughs> dump out the glass into a plastic cup, okay. which may be a problem for the environmentalist, but that's the, you need to hear nor there. But, um, you know, all this stuff is happening in our, you know, with, with again, ties to the south uh, town down there and they're so freaked out about Newport like oh no you can't have these these bikes going around downtown Newport oh heaven forbid like, it's you can't like, even have Airbnbs in Newport no exactly now, you know? really yeah they they, just, they, that was part that was the two pieces of legislation they, they passed together was uh, I they, didn't hear that the, the, you need they put a bunch of restrictions about it about you have to have um, uh, you have to live in the house if you if you want to like rent out another like part of it or you can rent out a room or something like that like but like if you're gonna have a house and it's just gonna be short term rentals they don't have anything to do with that. Let it, me guess the hotels were the big lot like what's they were was the big we lobby? did a whole episode on yeah. this where we talked about that and uh, it was a uh, Rhode Island Hospi Hospitality or, uh, right. Association or something yeah. Yeah. that might not be their name but funded by Marriott. Yeah, uh, of course. So. And well, and then again, so then the, the the excuse they'll use for that type of legislation is that well, it's the quality of life issue. It's the I, idea that the affordable housing and that they're you're, you're you're going ahead and having all these real estate investors come in and buy these properties, and that's all doesn't hold any water because you know that's all you know the excuses they use, but. In the grand scheme of things, if somebody is actually owning a property as a commercial rental property, as opposed to a, a homeowner's policy or the primary residence, that means that they're not getting the homestead exemption. That means they're paying full freight on the uh, the property tax and everything like that. Uh, you're getting people into the community that are going ahead and again spending money, spending money as opposed paying to tax. Again, they're paying they're paying the yeah. increased taxes and everything like that. They're supporting that rent and everything like that. So these are these are people who uh, you know. 
you may not like it. If you lived in a house and you had uh, somebody who short term rented their house next door to you, I mean, yeah, that's that's an issue. But I mean, that that's part of the issue of I have a couple of neighbors in my neighborhood that I don't like about. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to go to town council and have pass a law that they can't live there anymore. I mean, that's just it, not the way it if works. If that's something that's going to bug you and there's a potential for your neighbor that lives right next to you because Newport's pretty close together, you know, the houses, yeah. then move somewhere else like you don't that's like that's they a potential right <laughs> but the, but they didn't see the potential possibility that they, they might not like their neighbor like oh, you know my, like, i used to love, so i went it's fucking insane so i went to the university of rhode island nobody lives on campus after a sophomore year on university of rhode island everybody lives down the line down in narragansett and it's a perfect situation because you got summer rentals in the summer mm-hmm. and you got student rentals in the winter and then a bunch of people started buying these houses for year-round houses and they were completely horrified yeah. that there were students partying in Bonnet Shores. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Like, the audacity of it. I bought this house. I spent all this money, and all of a sudden, there's, there's, there's college kids down here. And it's like, listen, I, I, I my, my father went to URI. He graduated in the in the 72. There were people partying down the line. He tells me all this time, the same type of situation. Yep. It hasn't changed. You moved into a situation, and now you're trying to change it. And let me tell you something else about Narragansett. If it wasn't for the student and the summer rental population, you wouldn't have anything down there. There wouldn't be the amenities there wouldn't be a stop stop and shop or grocery stores and you know restaurants and all this other stuff too so you're benefiting from the economy that's been generated by it and you're sitting here and complaining about it as well so it's just these people are the the worst type of people so and i forgot what absolutely you were about. What, 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 what legislation was we were um that was about the party bikes oh okay yeah. so yeah uh, well, airbnbs yeah thing. so we'll we'll move on a little bit so the next one uh I was confused about this one. This establishes the criteria for criminal offense of sexual assault when the victim is in custody of a peace officer, providing that a person convicted of custodial sexual assault would face imprisonment for not more than three years. So my read on this was if you're someone in custody and and this person that's in charge of you in your custody, whether you're a parole officer, police officer, or something like that, there is now a a minimum or a maximum set for they could only get three years in prison if you were sexually assaulted. This is, uh, I'm going to call you guys out, Henry's Felix Hole, Lombardi, Kazarian, Kazar and Batista. So they were the sponsors for this. Maybe maybe right now there's a loophole where they get out free and clear. and may, I'm, There's I, no charge? Or and I pray to God that's it. But my read of this is like, yeah, um, if they, if they uh, sexually assault you while you're in custody, they could face up to three years. Th- so uh, okay, my, my head's about to explode, but like that's the most egregious. You are a a you are the the violent arm of the state. You have the authority to murder people on behalf of the government, and or the the potential to murder people on behalf of the government, and you can forcefully detain people, essentially hold them against their will, rape them, and only get three years. Is that that is how I read this? That's a fucking <clears throat> insane. I'm sorry, I just yeah. kicked the table. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's the same people that want to have the age of consent or the consent between teachers and uh, kids or whatever the hell to that, that piece well, of legislation. Yeah. Like, they just, want to abuse your children by masking yeah. them. They like these people are freaking like, as, as I said, evil monsters last the last podcast. episode. Yeah. Anyway, so, so I want to I want to look into that one a little bit more. But that one yeah. at face value, I'm like, what the fuck are they? Thinking? Yeah, definitely dig into that one because yeah. that's insane. All right, next one. Uh, this one drives me crazy, too. Not, not as uh, serious, but prohibits single-family residential zoning in municipalities with over <laughs> 20,000 people 
and mandate that those municipalities adopt zoning regulations for middle housing in single-family residential zones, which means uh, it's an act that they call opening the market for housing in urban areas. And all single-family zone places will now move to this new middle housing to permit uh, uh, more more scalability in, in multi-home, townhomes, and, and things of that nature. So there's there's a, a lot of directions we can go from a libertarian perspective on zoning. You know, I, I think that if you have private property, you should be able to do whatever you want with it. There, and, but zoning has become quite a a big thing in, in terms of the determination if you're going to buy a property or something like that. So the re- rezoning of areas uh, formerly zoned as single family would expand the supply of seven affordable housing in urban areas. This is going to reduce homelessness, allow Rhode Island residents to access eight essential services more easily. Um, I don't know what those services are. Uh, it would create the development of middle housing within areas formerly zoned as single family areas and reduce the use of automobiles because uh, more people would be leaving, living together so they wouldn't be visiting each other as much. So it, it, there's, that, there's that environmental slant too. So, you know, it, you should be able to do whatever you want with your property. And now the, the interesting thing is they're going to paint a brush and saying, oh, if you are in a town with more than 20,000 people, which is a good amount of Rhode Island, um, all of a sudden well, I'm going to rezone your property. And the state's mandating it to the town. And I thought that was an interesting See, the thing that's ridiculous about this is that, you know, part of the reason why there's zoning in rural communities has to do with the fact that they don't have sewer systems in rural communities and you have septic tanks <laughs> and you need to have single family homes spaced out over a large area. Otherwise, you have a lot of septic tanks close to one another and you start to have a big problem. So again, this is, <laughs> what are we talking about here? We, we, we just try, are we literally just trying to take all of Rhode Island and turn it into the basically what South Providence is in terms of like three families on top of one another in an, an endless so, I, like like I mean seriously like what is this? So I'm going to read a, a passage from an interesting list ten uh, number ten list here. Karl Marx's ten planks to seize power and destroy freedom. <laughs> it's actually the the ten planks of the Communist Manifesto, right? So plank number nine, combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries, gradual abolition of the distinction between town and country by a more equitable distribution of the population over the country. Yeah. Sounds like kind yeah. of what's going on here. I, I, that's <sighs> insane. I, well, I, it's, I, again, this, this, this whole idea that we're going to... Hey, so... So we, that's, we, uh, I'm reading that right. They're talking about yeah, yeah. basically moving people out into the country, yeah. right, to, to distribute. Okay. Well, we we struggle with this a little bit in Rhode Island just because we're a small state and a highly densely populated state. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you go to some larger, like some other parts of the country with larger states and stuff like that. You have incorporated areas and you have unincorporated areas, and there's different ideas that if you know you you want to be part of the the town, you can take you. you uh, uh, putting yourself in that position where you're going to be applying to certain zoning regulations and then and trade your part of the corporation of the town. And then if you w- don't want to be involved with that, you can just be outside town limits and you know be your own entity and stuff like that. So we really don't have that option a lot in mm-hmm. the state of Rhode Island. So mm-hmm. it's, it's tough to separate that idea that if you just don't like 
the you know what's going on you can just go find someplace else to live outside of mm. uh, of the community so that kind of you know erodes the point but but the idea is is that you know in Rhode Island, the idea is for these communities and these zoning laws at to be at a local municipal level as opposed to a state or a federal level is the idea that you have some ability to shape your community um, all these communities you have compre- comprehensive plans that have been put in place um, you know the, the hazard mitigation plans that we talked about in terms of protecting us from you know disasters and, mm. and, and viruses and everything like that it's it's a community effort to shape and grow the town and there's voluntary in a sense uh you know adherence to that because if you don't like what's going on in your town you can go move somewhere else and that's the whole idea about being mobile when you and so there's a justification that i think personally can be made to some of these local zoning regulations when you start coming in with this top-down approach like we were happening with roadmap Rhode island and now with this with this newer legislation that's coming in with this other stuff it's you're taking away that ability from the local state and uh, i'm sorry the local municipal the city and towns and you're giving that to the state and the federal level and you're taking away that ability for you to maintain the autonomy as a as a town and to shape your future and that's what is really we're worried about as rhode islanders in in a small state like this mm-hmm. and that, that's that that's what i think is the big issue is that we're, we're, we're giving up all of our rights to the state and the federal government and that's just not good no, no, well said. And to go with that, the next bill <clears throat> is, uh, uh, you know, in order to prop up all these now, you know, multifamily homes that where everyone's going to be rezoned to, you need to have a department that does nothing but create housing jobs. So they have another <laughs> one to create the housing jobs department and a series of other initiatives designed to create jobs in housing construction, specifically affordable and low income housing, green and solar energy jobs and programs for low income individuals. So they're going to create a brand new department does nothing but creates jobs. And we, we've gone into depth of that, especially on our, some of our green uh, episodes and things like that. I'm going to, I'm going to go through a few more of these here. Um, the next one, this one I thought was interesting repeals requirement the requirement a person licensed as a barber be a citizen of the United States and be of good moral character also (laughs) repeals the requirement that a person so licensed pay a license fee for the business. So I think it was a year or two we celebrated that you didn't have to have this general license anymore as, as a uh, citizen. Now we're removing that license for, for some of that is, and I support the removal of state licenses for everything yeah okay and i think it's funny how this particular industry in general is what they choose to laser focus on licenses are stopping everything that's going on here and putting people out someone was doing some demographic research i know and said oh i need that constituency yeah i don't know about you guys but i only exclusively get my hair cut from unscrupulous immigrants um and this is just a really a bill i cannot get behind yeah uh, let's see a couple more. Oh, so the children. So, uh, there's another one to require children who seek a special limited work permit to successfully complete a training program, which shall address workers' rights, workplace health and safety and workers' compensation to be established and funded by the department of labor. Workers' rights. Yeah. 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 Again, it's, they're building these oh. small little things and it's all kind of boiling up to something, right? Complete sidebar. Did you hear about Amazon in New York? A little but bit, yeah. They unionized. Oh, God. Yeah. So all the DSA, the Rhode Island DSA people, Democratic Socialists of America people, um, are, are uh, like, you know, so happy. You know, it's like they're the, the biggest thing ever. Well, anyway. they, should, they should go there. Get, get, guess, guess what's increasing? The price of Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
exactly. Um, let's see. Uh, so we got the, the, the kids program for, right. So they have to, it's another barrier to entry to employing someone or hiring someone. This is a, a feel good thing that isn't going to get much pushback. Oh, you have to take a training course. But then again, it, it, there's a lot of bad things about that one. But for, for the sake of time, let's, let's move on. The next one. Oh, this one I, I loved. This was 16 pages of regulatory nonsense. It's the anti-bullying bill of rights act. It creates the Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights Act, which would strengthen protection for students in schools who are victims of bullying. I couldn't really determine, again, 16 pages of the stuff that I read on this particular one. I can't figure out what it does. It, it forms like a council and a council and a specialized person at every school district to do certain things. And really, bullying isn't tolerated in schools today. I, I don't think so, mm. right? So it's one of those things that what, what is the, the inherent problem here? What are you trying to resolve? This is already something that isn't uh, socially acceptable or anything that any school is going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're okay with bullying. Yeah, you know? virtue signaling, that's what this is. And that's all it is. But I, I could not tell. All I know is it's going to cost a lot of money, whatever this is. <laughs> well, then there's that, yeah. <laughs> Someone's pockets again. Uh, let's see, another one uh, to allow electronic voting in elections for the disabled and the military only. So here's what I have an issue with is that they will set this up for a small group. They will have the infrastructure and then they'll scale it out and anyone can do it. We'll talk and Rhode Island has a really shitty record of cybersecurity in terms of elections. <laughs> uh, I, I could do a rant. I think we, we did, we did something back in the day on uh, the current secretary of state and how she sits on the national council for states for cybersecurity. And she touts that. And then there was that <laughs> vice article that went national that said Rhode Island electric uh, elections are not secure and all that <laughs> stuff. There's a lot of cyber stuff in, in the queue right now too. Um, let's see. There's another one. Ooh, this one's great. Uh, this act would establish a group for the placement of solar panels on interstate highways. And they're going to use America rescue plan acts for funding for funding this. So they're going to come up with a think tank and they're going to fund the think tank to figure out where they're going to put all these solar panels on every single highway for Rhode Island. I think that they should fix the roads first personally <laughs> before they go and spend a whole lot of money on that. There's another solar one we'll get to in a second. Why don't they just pave the roads with solar panels? And this That's interesting. That's a concept that has been bandied about and there's people that have done testing on it. And there's a guy on YouTube. He's an electrical engineer out of, I want to say New Zealand, maybe Australia. Um, EEV blog, I think it's what it's called. And he's, he talks about like the, engineering aspects of why that will never work like it's just not it's not going to work but anyway yeah we'll, we'll talk about solar in a second uh, there's another one uh to mandate free lunches for all elementary and secondary schools and uh, in in all public schools in Rhode there's Island. no such thing as a free lunch oh. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> strike of the pen um, oh, this one was interesting, too. There's another bill. And again, I can't get to all of them today. There's 2,000 of them. I'm happy to share more insights on these. But this one is interesting. Uh, all school districts have to provide a high-speed internet connection to all K-12 through students outside of school. Outside of school. So they are going to set up from you know our general fund and our favor appropriations committees and things like that. They're going to set up an internet reimbursement fund, and then a parent will request it. And then the money will come from there and they will have to bring high speed internet 
to that home. The school will be responsible for furnishing that. So now the school obviously inherently can, is not an internet provider, so they will contract this out to someone, probably a big person in Rhode Island that, that uh, really bends the knee to the stand a lot of stuff, like Cox, Cox Internet, mm-hmm. right? And they'll be like, oh, we will absolutely provide this, and then they'll set the price and, and all these things. So that's, uh, and this is under the, uh, the, the funny title of this act, is the Relating to Education, Health, and Safety of Pupils Act. So they're <laughs> so they're putting high speed internet access uh, to that. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. Uh, another one authorizes the Secretary of State and Board of Elections to conduct an extensive cybersecurity assessment of our election systems and facilities to establish a cybersecurity review board. These are things that the state should have been doing years ago. Yeah. If you, if they have any sort of information systems that have any of our data on, mm. there should be some reasonable expectation that they are maintaining. They, they have a big budget. For a lot of this. Now, there's been an increased focus on cybersecurity, but Rhode Island has such a bad light over them with all of the whole election thing at the national level. And you and they said, oh, no, nothing to see here. Everything's great. Now there's like five or ten bills saying, hey, let's form a policy group. Let's form an incident response team. And I'm just thinking in my head, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty savvy with cyber. I went to college for it. And you got to think. Wait, we don't have an incident response team at the at the state <laughs> level. What the fuck is going on here? You know, and, and they'll always say, "Oh, it's the funding and funding." And we've been through the budget on, on previous episodes. They have the money yeah. for all of this stuff. Your name, address, and date of birth is for sale uh, by the state of Rhode Island, and you can buy it uh, as the voting roll. Yeah, um, and yeah, yeah. so. Let's think yeah. about that. <laughs> well, year of birth. They, they got rid of the date of birth. It's year of birth now. But oh. uh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got 12, 12 months worth of uh, leeway there. <laughs> so maybe we'll, we'll wait to see what the Secretary of State, who previously said our uh, cybersecurity posture is pristine, and we'll see how much of that comes up during her election cycle as she tries to go for governor. Uh, all right. The next one I thought was very interesting. We've talked about price gouging and things like that, especially during a lot of our you know pandemic episodes. They're going to make it a felony. To price gouge prescriptions or pharmaceuticals in a time of a shortage, a government God. government identified market. Wait, shortage. No, wait, wait, wait. Now, is it is a regular shortage or a government created, created shortage? Oh, <laughs> see, they don't classify like that. But the governor may issue an executive order or rely on the executive order of the president of the United States. Libertarians believe that price gouging is a good thing, or it's a good thing. It's that it's a market. It's signal. a market signal <laughs> exactly <laughs> that makes it so people yeah. will produce more of that. So it goes into a laundry list of things like this could be it, this could be that. It's it's it's. It's horrible. We could we could go into a lot more depth, or you guys could check out some previous episodes to, to figure out you know our stance on the on the price gouging. But if if they give the governor the power to say you can't do this, there's nothing in the bill that actually says like what the reasonable limit is uh, on the basis of this or that. They talk a little bit about inflation only because that's the buzzword right now and things like that. So that's that's horrible. And but they think they can get through it because like well it's prescription. You, you want people to die. Mm. And they won't have access to this. But we all know that, you know, the reason why things like insulin are so high, it's literally because of the government Mm -hmm. here in the United States. You can go to Mexico and get uh, a thing, insulin for like 10 bucks. You can go right up, no prescription and and grab it. Where in the States. To synthesize it if you were a chemist, but then it wouldn't be. Yeah. yeah, approved to be Black Martin insulin, and then so, that would be it. great. Just don't require a prescription for it. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and that'll drop the price. Yeah. Oh, you know, absolutely. The fact, like the fact that it's a controlled item is in and of itself driving the price up. Yeah, and this will make this something like this would would make things even worse, and then there wouldn't be as much incentive for people to produce said prescriptions because the government is not in the business of actually making pills, right? <laughs> 
All right, I'll try to go through a few more of these. Uh, uh, oh, there's a one to allow happy hour drink special served in conjunction with meals prepared on premises sufficient to constitute now breakfast, lunch, or dinner for happy hour. Mm. Okay, because right now you, you can't have a quote-unquote happy hour during those times. No. But snacks are excluded from that. So you cannot have a snack and experience the happy hour. You have to have a traditional breakfast, meal. lunch, or dinner meal to enjoy the happy hour. Yeah, and, and, and a nice a soup at Mindy's does not constitute a meal. I don't know. And a sandwich at uh, Monk's Deli, I don't know if you guys are getting the reference, but... No. Seinfeld. <laughs> Seinfeld. Oh, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> Trade the soup for yeah. the meal. Uh, you know there's a Seinfeld Lego set? I, I saw that. I saw that Target the other day. Yeah, yeah Target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, completely off. Yeah. I'll try to paraphrase some of these because I mean I didn't go through all of them, but I've got a huge list here. So uh, they're trying to ban all foam containers and all restaurants now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they are going to. We've talked about this a little bit, but they're going to uh, prohibit the sale of miniature alcoholic beverage containers in Rhode Island. But can, can we go back to the foam real quick? Yeah. I I had I was at a um it was down in New Jersey somewhere I was on a work trip and I was at a campus of a of an insurance company I, I, I do business with and uh, I go to the cafeteria and they're giving out coffee in these styrofoam cups and it was unusual to see because when was the last time you got coffee yeah. I mean at Dunkin' Donuts I guess they had the styrofoam cups but like it was like a a, a, a cafe usually the paper cups right with the, yeah. the plastic yeah. tops and everything and I was looking at it. I'm drinking out the coffee. And we were there for a week, so I was, you know, a couple cups of coffee. And you're looking at it. And I'm noticing the cup, and I see on the bottom, and it talks about how uh, the amount of styrofoam it took to produce this styrofoam cup actually was less energy than what it took to create the paper to make the paper cup. So even if wow. you just use the styrofoam once and throw it out and never use it again, you're still going to be using less energy than it did yeah. to create the paper cup. That even if you recycle the paper cup, you're still using less energy. And I'm just sitting there going to myself. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. But nobody wants these sees with a styrofoam cup. They want to like yeah. bite your head off. But anyway. Now, it's funny you say that because there's also <laughs> legislation to, at a state level, ban uh, uh, the plastic bag. So I know a few towns yeah. have started to adopt the things yeah. like that. But it's the same exact still, reason for, for the, you know, the you still get the plastic paper. bags at my attorney's restaurant. Uh, I, I just get them. Yeah. There, there are certain places that still. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't. Non-compliance. Yeah. All right. Good for them. Let's see. They're going to ban all cosmetics that had any testing done on animals during development or production. They're going to establish a broadband council to increase the use of broadband service in the state. I thought that was interesting, especially as the technology is starting to go away from those those physical wires and things. You're always going to have a need for that physical infrastructure. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, largely, I think the state is like... 20 years behind on this when all the initiatives for broadband started. Now they're doing this because they want to grab some grant money from, from the federal government. Now Biden says that, well, and they're going to give it to all a bunch of companies to expand broadband, high speed internet uh, to people that can't get on the internet, you know, now they're giving broadband to, or their, their money for infrastructure for broadband for rural communities in the United States. Yeah. And they're giving an equal amount of money to all 50 States and Rhode Island doesn't have any rural communities. So they well, got to figure out something the, else to do with it. So I family that lives on prudence island right and there's no there was no internet there uh, up until recently they have wireless internet there's a, a company that's beaming he's got a 
put got a tower. They're beaming the internet over. There's also Starlink. That's a real star well, that Prudence Island qualifies for a Starlink system. Well, so it's funny, imagine that. It's funny too that you said that. I I remember watching something online one time where someone was uh, setting up a, a they had a house on an island on a lake somewhere up and it was in Maine or Canada or something mm-hmm. like that. And they had uh, a a laser that was beaming the wireless signal from shore to the island yeah. and they were setting the whole thing up. And I'm just like, yeah, no, like if there's a will, there's a way like, yeah. there's, there's yeah. definitely like get some smart people. Yeah, out there. no, it, well <laughs> uh, just uh, on this, I think it was Newport recently. And I, I just come up from a, from a coworker that was telling me about it. Um, cause they were having trouble with their Cox internet on uh, Quidnick Island. Yeah. And, um, I guess it was recently something going on on Aquidneck Island with um, allowing Verizon or to come in, and they said no because Cox is the only well, game yeah, in no, town. I, I, and mm-hmm. I don't know the details of it. I should look it up before I talk about. It. But there is just to the point being that towns are telling companies whether or not they are allowed to bring their services into the town, right? Like, so it's. I, I think there's only so much fiber that's running around down Aquidneck Island, mm-hmm. and it's dedicated for the War College yeah. and Salve Regina, yeah. and that they're not going to be expanding that. Because my parents live on Aquidneck Island, mm-hmm. so yeah. that's like, that, that's from my understanding is that they're they're not going to be expanding uh, any of the infrastructure. So if anybody wants to access it, they have to either tap into what's existingly there or they're like, they're. So they're not allowing the expansion. Yeah, yeah. No, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. from a professional perspective, I've actually had to deal with those challenges on Aquidneck Island where mm-hmm. you, you want, you need more bandwidth coming into your, your business or, or things. And you have to come up with creative solutions like towers, right. Yeah. To be able to do that. And then it's such a process and it's one, it's already a high cost to be able to get onto the Island. Uh, and that's why people are stuck with like in Cox and things like that. And it's because the towns are like, Oh yeah, we're going to stop anything. You won't be able to build either in the water or link to the bridge or anything mm-hmm. like that. And uh, there's, there's only a finite amount of bandwidth that goes there. And it's because of the infrastructure pipe there so but we have innovations in technology such as 5g satellite but but to your point though like so the infrastructure only allows certain amount of capacity but they're not allowing for the expansion of that infrastructure if a company wants to come in to say verizon and lay a a fiber line they're not going to let them so they're it's like they're artificially you know you know um Stifling the markets. It's just insane. Yeah. All right. Uh, to go through these, we're going to allow voting by mail without needing an excuse to vote by mail. So they just want to blatantly say, yep, we can do that. It's supposed to improve voter roll cleanup, allow applying for mailbots through an online system, allow nursing home residents to receive mail ballot applications. And it codifies a lot of the, the pandemic era, you know, elections. Oh, we couldn't go vote. So we had to do that. So they're working a few bills for that. Um, let's see. Direct. I, was, I was too scared to show up on election day to stand in line to vote, so I showed up a week before election day and stood in line to vote <laughs> in the town hall. <laughs> I really, you know, did my part. <laughs> stood six feet apart. Thanks. Yeah. Hopefully, you wore two masks. Yeah. All right. Uh, they're directing the state board of pharmacy to annually identify up to fifteen prescription drugs at their choice that that they've shown increased costs and then they have to provide that list to the attorney general so the attorney general can go to those companies and say hey you're gouging uh, all the people in Rhode Island and you need to reduce these specific 15 drugs arbitrarily chosen based on their assessment as a council uh, to do that uh, the budget for 2023 has been floating around since late January. Uh, we'll go over that on another episode. Oh, this one caught my eye. Statewide voter referendum for capital development bonds for school buildings. I, I love being able to participate in the process for these capital investments, and I'm excited to vote uh, another $300 million for, for the schools here. 
I don't know. He, he's, the, the, the problem that I see with this is there's always these other pieces of legislation that are supposed to solve these problems. Like, hey, we give increased funding here for X, Y, and Z. And then what kind of gets lost in the noise are these these one-off bond referendums <laughs> that people will go ahead and vote for. And it's a feel-good thing. Yeah, of course I want to support the schools. They, right? they word it on the, on the application. Like, it's such a good cause. Like, <laughs> I mean, how do you not vote for it? It's exactly. Fun. But they're still starving for money at the end of this. That, yeah. that, that, that's the point to make there oh this one i thought was very interesting they are going to mandate a yearly deposit of 200 dollars per year into an escrow account to cover the eventual disposal of a solar panel that 200 dollars is per solar panel so every year if you have a solar panel you will have to contribute 200 dollars per panel in an escrow account which I don't, I don't know if that even fucking exists right now. I know, you know, you I'm have sure escrow does. for that, but for solar panels. Now they said that, no, this is targeted at businesses and not homeowners. So if why you want, it, but no, but first of all, like, why is this the responsibility of the government to be collecting this stuff? This is the responsibility of the property owner. You are bringing in a hazardous material with lead and heavy metals and all sorts of other things. And you're fixing it to your roof. If you were to have a storm or some type of event that would cause damage to that and pollute the natural environment around you and cause property damage to any of your neighboring properties, you will be held liable to that. We don't need to have a specific, uh, you know, bureaucracy that has this money in the escrow account. What's it doing while it's sitting in this escrow account? Is the money going back to funding this problem? Is this like an annuity type situation, or are you are you using that money to shifting it back to the general fund? Any of the interest income we make on this escrow account? Well, another barrier to entry to what you it's counteractive to what they want to do with all this green right. stuff they want people to adopt solar yeah. panels and all that but now there's an additional cost per panel to do it now and businesses use a lot of electricity right so if they're like hey i want to do my part i'm going to make the investment to get clean renewable energy we have a goal by 2030 to be yeah. uh, neutral on this right or 100 percent from uh renewable sources so it's one of those things where now they're starting to put all these barriers in for for a problem that doesn't yet exist i you know i think in the product life cycle you know from development all the way the last step is disposal right so maybe people aren't thinking about that part but there will be a market for that if we are to adopt this type of technology yeah. there's no reason to say hey uh, i'm going to mandate you this arbitrary 200 dollars per solar panel and every single year for the life of your solar panels and that's going to add up mm -hmm. yeah. is do, do you have the sponsors who are there uh, uh, i don't okay no worries I, I was just curious of who the sponsors were and i wonder if they're uh, who's pushing that? Is it the oil company pushing them to? Because, like you said, it's going to increase the the cost of entry for for um, solar panels. So, yeah. is there an outside entity trying to you know promote that to drive it up? I'd be interested who'd sponsor that. It, it is is it, it is acknowledging the fact that it is a hazardous issue, right? right? So yeah. maybe that, maybe you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll we'll look into that one. Yeah. All right. For the sake of time, I got two more. I gotta talk about. Okay. And okay. I'm just on my short list, but here we go. So <laughs> this one I thought was it just warmed my heart. So uh, there's legislation, and you got to think there are people that that are putting considerable thought into you know how we need to improve our government and how to improve the lives of our people. And this piece of les legislation designates. Uh, as the state music, the genre of rhythm and blues, which contains elements of pop, soul, funk, hip hop, and electronic music. So we're going to designate those different types of music as the state music genre. So while you're enjoying some calamari and coffee milk, you can listen to some 
smooth jazz pop. (laughs) (laughs) This is the energy we're putting into this stuff. I don't know. I I, I saw... uh, Related but not related, I saw an article, and I just read the headline, so I don't have the details of it, but I think it was Wrangling Vassal wants uh, to get some funds dedicated for a um, African-American music station or something to that effect. Oh, no, Did it's you see uh, Anastasia Williams. Wants oh, to Anastasia go. Williams, I'm no, sorry. That, that, she, that was actually, I, I didn't. I was, was it recent? I, I, it was recent because okay. she was on the radio about it, and it was funny because there was like some DJ that was been trying to get, uh, and again, what, what, like so a state-sponsored radio station yeah, I guess like, it, I, would it only play the state like first music? of all like oh. I, I don't want to like to, to respond in an emergency like covid to respond to the minority community and their voice and it's like oh sweet like what like i, I, I so what I, I don't understand like what what is their voice I, and i get it maybe like if there's like the reason why like so think about the biggest talk radio show where people get like wpro in the state of rhode island that's a that's a big thing it's it's kind of a conservative voice it's kind of a, but that's the demographic that's the that's the the money to be made that's a profitable business model yeah if if, if a minority voice isn't a profitable business model i'm sorry i, I just don't see why we should be subsidizing yeah. that i mean they could do what we're doing right here yeah I mean, Start a podcast. we've been getting information out about yeah. the pandemic for the, for the podcast, and it's that cost in the state of cent. I mean, uh, we've been right on a lot of our information oh, yeah. too. So I mean, I don't know. It's kind of so it, this this whole thing. I think it's ridiculous that we have to spend the energy on talking about this, and more so why we have to appoint a state music genre. And it was multiple genres, so we couldn't figure out the one that represents Rhode Island. But yeah. remember, if you guys go back a few episodes where uh, we were talking about some of the arts grants and yep. things like that, and how we were funding the ancient hula lessons which i never took it up on that that's my fault i didn't i didn't claim well, that but you know i i just have a feeling now that they have that now they can align oh well anything related to this genre this is about promoting the culture of rhode island because we're we're mandating that this is this so well, it's I, just another thing to get more grant money into certain pet projects I, I think this is extremely culturally insensitive it's a slap in the face to the native american community here in rhode island <laughs> they were here first they have their own music genre and mm-hmm. i think that should be the state genre uh, electronic music no i don't want electronic pop uh, (laughs) jazz music i want some nice uh you know uh, native american massasoit uh uh uh, poconoit uh you know uh, you know all the other the the king philip and the 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 beautiful history we have here uh in the uh native american community metacomet and everything Yeah. yeah anyway well, here we are. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just talk about one more. I think what I'm gonna do. I I still have so many to talk about, and it's so. I just want the point I want to make is it's so ridiculous the stuff that's out there right now, and and a lot of it's coming a little bit more to light because they actually have to go through processes of having uh, hearings and things like that now. But maybe maybe uh, in future episodes I'll highlight just a couple of these that we can talk about at a time because again there's there's another 1800 to go, um, and that's just for the session. But one that I thought was v- almost awesome and it got snatched from us. It's a piece of legislation that requires the governor to submit a zero-based budget to the General Assembly with the zero-based budget phased in over a five-year period, commencing with the first budget of 2023. 
That one was withdrawn by the sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Place Chippendale, Filippi, Fenton, Fung, Roberts, Quattrochi. Sorry, I butchered, butchered that one in Nardone. So they this, withdrew it. Withdrew it. They withdrew. I don't know why I wasn't able to dig it up. That was almost great, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Being able to hold the government accountable to what actually they need to spend instead of saying, "Hey, this is this. We have a figure of merit here, or a rough order of magnitude to estimate this. We're going to need five percent more. Or here's inflation, and we're we're going to calculate costs on the basis." of that so uh, that, that one we were we're proponents for that because it, then the government has to actually think about what they're doing a little bit more and then we can hold them to the fire especially the general assembly should be able to hold the departments to the fire yeah. when they plan that out so so well we know some of those names follow us uh, at least on twitter and listen to the podcast and then they've liked our stuff when we've posted about the podcast so if you're listening to this Tag us and let us know on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you want to come on and have a discussion about any of these, uh, either we're, we're more than welcome. Are we? Well, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we had a problem with that. And this, I do this, recall. This predates you guys, so I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, if, if they want to reach out to us on, on social media and uh, if, they, if, they, if they think that it's, you know, it's some of these things are okay, we will, we'll have a conversation. There's so many more, right? There's there's actually some good ones that I didn't get to. There's some really, really dumb ones here as well, but I think we'll have to save those for another episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> 1,800 well, to go. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll wrap this one up. This was a, it was a good one. Um, yeah. Good one. So we, before, a, we think we set a record. Before we do go, it, it is, is, uh, yes, it is April. It's, yeah. it's tax season. Um, just real quickly, uh, make sure you file your sales and use tax forms for <laughs> anything that you bought in Massachusetts <laughs> or Connecticut and you want to pay the difference in the sales tax here in Rhode Island. Or get right it's very that. important. Make sure you do that. All right. <laughs> no, but um, I, just real quick, uh, I, we should have done this at the start of the show, but uh, before, if you stuck with us this long, that means you are a hardcore libertarian. And if you're in the state of Rhode Island, we are inviting you to the national, or not the national, the state uh, libertarian convention. Uh, it is on April 24th. You can get more information by going to lpri.us backslash events. Uh, you can find information about the convention itself. You can register there if you want to uh, enjoy a nice uh, buffet lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, going to be on a Sunday. It's going to start at noon, uh, April 24th. Uh, it's going to be at the Italian Corner Deli. They have great food as featured on numerous uh, food, network. food network and uh, uh, Phantom Gourmet and the like. Uh, very good food. They get a nice private event room it's byob it's going to be a fun time um you know we're really going to be taking care of a lot of business here in the state of rhode island we got a lot of goals and a lot of things that we're going to be looking to do over the next year and um and you know there's there's big things happening here in the state uh we we've had uh, a number of people who have been really involved in uh in moving the liberty movement forward and, and really building the foundation for us to, to really grow and, and take this thing off the ground. So um, we, we need people to come in now and, and kind of and, and take that uh, that that ball and run with it and, and, you know, really make the difference here in the state that we need because we're, we're ripe for it. Like, you know, it, we've been talking for the past two hours about how uh, unbelievably screwed up this entire state is and uh, all the ridiculous pieces of legislation and regulation and taxes that are burdening us here in the state. So if you want to be a part of uh, fighting that and and being the difference you want to see in the world uh come join us on april 24th we'd love to see you there uh it'll be a good time yeah 
I just want to put a disclaimer in there that this, uh, when Bill, you say we, it's representing the Libertarian oh, yeah, Party. I, so, I, I'm the yeah. chairman of the Libertarian Bill's Party. The chair of the, so the Liberty and, RI and the LPRI are separate entities, and we do not, I, as an organization, Liberty RI does not speak. There's some confusion out there sometimes. Disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer no, oh, no. yes. No, I, I'm, yeah. this, this is myself, uh, my uh, shame, shameless This plug. podcast sponsored by the LPRI no, and Bill's here. Shameless <laughs> plug for the uh, Libertarian Party of Rhode Island. Because again, if you stuck with us for the last two hours, you, you are. are fed up and, and want to make a difference. So yeah. we'd love to see you there on Sunday. So yeah. that's great it. opportunity to connect, talk to some yeah. other people that don't think you're crazy uh, for, for thinking these types of things. And I think it'll be a really good time. Uh, love, love to talk to some of you. I know there's a, we got a lot of, we've got a, we, and we have a diverse audience too. We've got, you know, folks that were just at the yellow shirt rally. We know we've got a bunch of them that listen to the podcast. We've got a couple of, uh, you know, people a little bit towards the left that I, I've seen in the comments that have at least given us a listen. And then we've got the libertarians and we've got the Republicans that really want to be libertarians. Yeah, they're just afraid to, to jump, <laughs> jump ship. Come on yeah. over. Come on, come to the, the, the bright side. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so. I agree. Um, and if you want to connect with us to find out more information, you can always, of course, connect um, through libertyri.com slash connect. And that's where you can follow all the links and fill out our form to email us and whatnot. Um, um, if, and also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you're just stumbling upon this. Um, and it's all the, the standard podcatchers out there, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the major podcatchers. So, um and don't forget to, to, to rate us and leave uh, leave comments if, if, if you could. So that'll help uh, get get the message out. Yeah, especially if you uh, if you do micro needling or any cosmetic uh, things, just one last touch on the legislation. Uh, they're actually <laughs> going to push if you're if you're in that group that likes the cosmetic stuff. The, the state of Rhode Island is trying to pass it. It has to be a registered physician or a registered nurse to be able to do these types of things. So if you like getting your eyebrows threaded or anything like that, anything uh, any procedure that does not require a sedation that is performed on a person that is directed at improving the person's appearance and does not meaningfully promote the proper function of uh, or prevent treat illness or disease. If you like getting your cosmetic pr procedures performed and you don't want to pay out the ass because there's going to be a licensing requirement for a nurse or a physician's assistant, someone, uh, you know, that would normally be sitting in a hospital or a healthcare center. They're about to mandate that through a piece of legislation. I did not get to that. So I wanted to hit that group of people that listen to our show. That's one of our main demographics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I look at the stats on our downloads and yes. that was, a Hey, one. if you like Botox, uh, it's about to get more expensive <laughs> unless you do something. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank, thanks, everyone. Right. See you next time. Stay safe. You've been listening to the Rhode Island Liberty Report. Be sure to check us out at libertyri.com.